got some bad news. Fez? Well, he's not dead. He's on the IR. He's on the IR. <laughs> he's not dead, though. I, I mean, those rumors are untrue. Let's just start with that. They are untrue. And what I would say is, this is how I'm feeling about this show we just did. Hello, is everybody watching? Before I get the party started, you know you want to be invited. Step right up and get a little because I felt sick before, but then AJ's stubbornness about his chargers got me so worked up that I'm energized now. It's almost like, you know, when someone like you can't get worked up after like brain surgery, they might have a stroke or right. something. I kind of felt like you were trying to get me worked up. I was. I was like, oh, what if he has a brain aneurysm on the air? That'd be great for uh, download numbers. <laughs> But it didn't happen, did it? <laughs> no, it did not. You, I mean, very strong. It was, it was, it it was a uh, demolition. I think it's fair Ooh, to say. Okay. What do you think, Scott? When we went head to head, how how would you compare it? You know, I, I judged the fight 29-27 in favor of RJ. All right. so but there was one was, round two but, point but, muscles. Yeah, but there was one judge though that had it. 28-27 for AJ. So, Herbert Herbert was yeah, in the crowd judging. This is uh, he just he had a, he had an AJ smiley face on a it stick. Doesn't matter. Dana White's happy because he's going to get a rematch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it, it's been a good part. We got Fez's picks. We go through those. We have some debates. A, or uh, Scott and I enjoy a uh, sharing an opinion on one that I thought was real strong. And AJ for the heat I'm giving him is off a five and zero week. And Fez is off a of five in a week. We made sure he went to the doctor. If he wasn't at the doctor's, we were going to make him come. <laughs> he went, so we got to let it go. Now, quickly, we got a coupon for you. It's called Dream 23, 23% off, one per customer, good through Monday. And that's good on anything, including the just released 2023 all access discounted subscriptions. So think about it. Anyone you want, you can have every freaking play. From January 1 to December 31. 365 days. Is next year leap year? No. I think it is. 366 days of pick. I think leap year is only even years. (laughs) But they only. 66. They only get the 365, though. We're not giving them the free day. No, I am. Oh, okay. (laughs) So if you get Scott Seinberg, you won't get February 29th. Can we confirm about leap year, please? 2024. Yeah. All right. So next year, you'd get uh, 366. Here, you only need 365. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to (laughs) do. This sounds crazy, but I'm just going to do it. If you email in with the following code in the subject line, all right, send it to Tom, Tom at pregame.com, Tom, T-O-M, at pregame.com. Put leap year in the subject line, and if you buy the 2023 All Access, I'll give you January 1st, 2024 for free. Well, it's a big sports day. So now day. you get 366. That's a huge sports day. You just gave them the Rose Bowl next year for free. <laughs> yeah, so it's better than freaking Although, uh, college football playoff might better be expanded. Than freaking, we might not have the Rose Bowl on January. It's going to be a big day. <laughs> yeah. You know that? Yeah. And just because of people sassing me, oh, leap years on even years. Okay. Well, I'm going to make my own leap year. I know a lot of stuff. Oh, my head just hurt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that is true, though. 2023 All Access. And with a special email, Tom at pregame.com, put leap year in the subject line. That's all you got to say. If you have any questions, whatever, go for it. But you can use the coupon DREAM23 
and get 23% off the already super-duper discount. This is the cheapest price you can get per day ever. It really is. So when when would I have bought it and got the best bargain? Now. Now. Fez, AJ, whatever. And if you want somehow more than one, email Tom and tell him that. He'll give you an extra big discount if you wanted more than one. All right. And remember, it's Dream 23. And let's see here. Uh-huh. Now, if you look at it, that 23% off comes out to about 400 in cash savings. And then I'm going to give another bonus. You're going to get the rest of December. I'm going to throw that in, too. Screw it. It's the season of giving. Yeah. I don't like that generally, but I am in this case because it's my listeners, our listeners. RJ Claus. And if somehow, some way, <laughs> if somehow, some way... You already have access to the one you're going to buy. And I've never done this. I don't think anyone ever has. We'll give you the rest of the this year to anyone you want. So let's say you got AJ. All right? Or let's say you got AJ now and you buy AJ for the year. Okay? You're going to get the 23% off. You're going to get the January one. But then you could say, give me Scott from now through the end of the year because I already got AJ. So you get anyone you want if you already have access to the one you're going to buy for the rest of this calendar year and you get the one you buy January 1 next year and the other 365 days and 23% off, use Dream 23. Nothing more to really say. Quickly, College Bowl contest is rocking and rolling. There's 500 in cash for first prize, cash for second prize, and there's extra bonuses beyond the cash. I hate how much cash they gave away, but I, you know... I told Mary, I said, I was thinking of firing you on there. She just laughed. Yeah. She, <laughs> she said in the meeting last year, RJ said, it's a bad idea. We did it anyway. And he no. was like, okay. And so this year, I didn't even ask so, him. So, I just did it. So I gave him, I gave an inch and I took a mile. Yeah. And who gets the benefit from the mile? The people. Just go to pregame.com, hit contest. And it is a college bowl contest. It's free to enter. And you have 500 plus dollars. Infinite ROI. Well, yeah, because it's free to enter. Yeah. All right. And back to the code, DREAM23, and all that stuff for the all-access. This is the time to lock it in. On to the show. Vegas. Week 15, Dream Preview. The MASH edition. That <laughs> is still out. I said, is he that sick? AJ said he went to, he got a prescription from the doctor. Did, he, did you see the note? I didn't. I haven't asked for a note yet. Because I, I do wonder, he made a pretty bold statement. And, uh, we, you couldn't call it anything but an AJ fade. An AJ fade. <laughs> but if I said Fez would go 5-0 and on the pod last week, don't you think if he had any possibility of being here, he'd be here? That's an interesting point. Because on one hand, I was thinking you went 5-0 and after making, well, you didn't bet. You said, hmm, I, I that makes out. me nervous. <laughs> Scott and I bet, we bet, what, $600, yeah, right? we went through the action. On And Fez was booking it. He was fa- he said, I'm open for business, fading AJ. Because mm-hmm. after, you know, let's be candid, you were 26 and 12 on your top three plays, five, four, and three, this season, before last week. And I asked Fez, what do you think his record is going to be from here? From here, he said 50.1%, which was he, he thought 50, but he was trying to bait us in. He was trying to be in. nice. No, he wasn't trying to, he was trying to bait us into bed. 
Well, we did, and you said winner, 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 winner. Yeah. And now Fez isn't here. Kid's gone, level's gone. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I'm just a simple man. <laughs> but you're right. Him going 5-0, and oh, I think his greed, that's, that's, that's an intro. His greed and ego versus being chagrined, I think his greed and ego wins. If, if history tells us anything. Right, Mackenzie? I think so. Yeah. I like to hope Fed isn't rooting against me actively, but I know he's, he's got money he's, on it. Well, he's betting 600 against you? You're yeah. lucky he's not giving you poison. <laughs> like, like lead. <laughs> like lead he's, not, water. he's not here coughing the flu on me yeah, in I mean, person. Like, <laughs> you think he's betting 600 and rooting for you? <laughs> you need to wake up. I know. That was foolish of me. I mean, if it was 30 bucks, if it was 10 bucks, maybe. 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 All right. Well, listen, I, I didn't feel real well at the end of Monday's show, but with Fez out, I had to come in. So I'm going to be a little gravelly, a little less talkative. But, again, that never ends up being the case. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we have Fez's picks. We've got my picks. And we got the two guys who are doing the best, AJ now 29 and 12 with his top three, 45 and 22 overall. Now that 29 and 12, 71%. And we got Scott Seidenberg, who is nine and five on his best bet. Then there's me and Fez coming in the rear. I thought you guys could handle with this. We're like the two superstars of the NFL. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So we should have some fun with this. Um, so what are we gonna do? Are we gonna how are we gonna integrate Fez's picks? We're, we're gonna work him in. We're gonna work his best bet in. After our three best bets. Oh, see, so he gets bumped he to the gets back. Bumped. I accept that. And then uh, other than that, we'll just let you know what when he's got to play when he doesn't. All right. Well, let's do it. We start then seniority and such with my best bet, and that is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. Also my best bet. Really? Yes. Double best bet. Ding, uh, ding, 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 ding. I actually feel good about that with your 9-5 and five record, by the way. Um, I'll make my a couple initial points so we can make, do this back and forth. To some degree, for me, this is buying low. Uh, I get the whole idea of Minnesota isn't as good or isn't still as good as their record. Um, if we look at Winshare, for example, so Mackenzie, Winshare is a way that we look at the fourth quarter and we say we're going to wait it first five minutes less, second five minutes more, the third five minutes even more. It's a 4 2 1 ratio. And then we say, what's their chance of winning? at each point of the fourth quarter, and then we blend it and say, okay, their average chance of winning, their control in the fourth quarter was, and then sometimes people have 100. Let's say they dominate the whole, you know, they're dominating throughout the fourth, and they win, so that's expected. If they have a .8 chance of winning and they win, well, they picked up two tenths of a unit. Or sometimes you'll see a situation like, let's talk about the Rams last week, Right. That was one of the big upsets uh, when it comes to the fourth quarter that we've seen. So what was the fourth quarter control, the win share that the Rams had? They had eight. Oh, the Raiders had 88% and still lost. So a 12% chance or control or chance, and they still won the Rams. And yep. that's the, in all, what, five years we've got of this, that's, that was tied for, like, the biggest unlikely outcome. Yes. Okay. And it was historic, the two-yard line, yep. you know, the whole thing. Okay, so if we look at Minnesota, we can say this is a fair – if we add up their win shares, it's a fair assessment on how many wins they should have. And what does that add up to? 
ninth in the league, they should have. So let's think about this. Ninth in the league is saying that there's only eight teams that's had better control in the fourth quarter than Minnesota. Now, remember, the argument with Minnesota against them is the idea that they've been lucky in one-score games. The fourth-quarter win share handles that wonderfully. Because the one-score games is such a bad stat. Think about it. You're down by 14. You have a drive late. The other team's playing prevent. Because if you want to go eight yards a clip, they're going to be fine with that because clock's running out. With 10 seconds left, you score a touchdown. Oh, look, it's seven or six, whatever, because you might go for two. It's a one-score game. Is that really a one? There was no sense there at all that that was the game was at risk. Right. And other times it is. Mm -hmm. The fourth quarter win share will take care of that. And we're saying the ninth best performing team this season, Minnesota. And how many games should they have won? 7.3. All right. And that's out of uh, 14 games? Out of 13. They should be 7.3 and 5.7 or 7 and 6, something like that. Yeah, so 7.3 and 6, or you're saying 5. Uh, 5.7. 5.7. Okay. Now that is, ninth is better than average. Mm-hmm. 7.3 out of 13 is better than average. But everyone wants to call Minnesota average. And I get it. When they were 10 and 2, the idea of them being that good, it was like, no, 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 no. But people have overreacted, in my opinion. This is about the ninth or 10th best team in the league. And the ninth or 10th best team should not be laying only four points to Indianapolis at home with the maybe the best home field in the NFL, and you know they have redemption on their mind. Yeah, so as far as those power rating points are concerned, the, it, you just look at Fezzik has these teams as two and a half points apart. So if we give them 2.5 for being at home, now we're talking about a well, five. I'm, I'm saying Minnesota gets three. I mean, they might be the only team that gets three right now. Yeah, okay, so then it's five and a half is the line. Our pregame research in terms of the uh, the – our look at uh, at the what the score should be mm-hmm. and the margins in the prior games. Yeah, we have them three points better than Indianapolis. Okay, so that means the spread should be a six point spread. And the fact that Fez's and and our numbers line up that makes them both stronger. Yes, and you, you're you're right. It's a bounce back spot for Minnesota. They can clinch the division with a win here, and that's an important factor. Don't leave it to the next week. Don't leave it to the week after. Get the job done at home right now. Clinch the division and erase all the sour feelings from last week. And since 2015, Minnesota, after a loss when playing at home, the most profitable team in the NFL, 19-6 and six ATS. Then when, when is that from? Since 2015. Okay. No, after a loss and playing the next game at home. And my biggest question is, can the Colts, who have the second lowest offensive production in the NFL, 16 points per game, the fifth worst red zone offense in the NFL, can they score enough to keep up with this Vikings offense? The well, answer is no. Yeah. Well, if if you look at um, the Colts, there was a, a Saturday bump, it would seem, energizing the team, energizing the O-line, it seems. Or maybe it was criti- you know good critiquing of the O-line. But last game, they lost by 24 points against the spread. That's ATS margin. And the game before that, 9.5 points against the spread. So this is a team that's losing. Now, uh, they are off a bye. Let's keep that in mind. But the Cowboys game... And again, after seeing what the Cowboys did or didn't do against Houston, that Colts demolition doesn't, it seems even worse for Indianapolis. 
And when you're down 35 points against the spread the last two games, effectively, almost 35, I think the Jeff Saturday honeymoon's over. Now, they're off a bye, but is this really a coaching staff that's ready to use that bye effectively? Remember, buys can act as, and you guys are college football specialists, so you can explain this to people or give the college insight. The question becomes, oftentimes, in buys late in the season in college, if a team's losing, it's hard to get them back focused. Yeah, uh, and and I, I agree. And it's only extreme cases in the NFL when you have an erratic owner, a coach that shouldn't be the coach. I mean, even if one out of five of those Colts players are a little disengaged, what kind of effect does that have? So to me, you got many app or or many a team that is got a lot of winning behind them. That just took some loot. And, and listen, that game against Detroit, they could have easily won that game. I mean, we look at it now like, oh, Detroit was favored and Detroit won. Dalvin Cook fumbled on yep. the three-yard line. Changed mm-hmm. the whole game. And I'm not saying that takes away from – I'm just saying many wasn't dominated in that game. I think and, I, and Detroit kicked the field goal at the end, so the score is a little. Uh, it, it the score shouldn't have been what it was, which they, affected the teaser. A lot of people, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but but I think it's fair to say Detroit right now is playing as a top ten team. You know, eight, nine, eight's a little high. 10, 11, 12. and if that's what many is, which we think nine, ten, eleven, all of a sudden now it makes sense that in Detroit, which Detroit does seem to have a real strong home bias, right? And on the road, they're not near as good. Many not near as good on the road. Many not a good defense. So an offense that can take advantage is going to score. Now, Minnie's got to score every time, but Indianapolis doesn't have that kind of offense. So to me, this is an this is an excellent game. If this was two weeks, what would this line have been two weeks ago? Oh, Colts. Uh, I mean, uh, Vikings at least seven. I mean, I, I, I think in the six range, if not – you know, even that high. And that was the look ahead, minus six. Okay, that's interesting. So the look ahead was minus six. Wow. Th- now this is I didn't see that, and now I am. That really makes our case even more because if you think about it, what's happened since? Well, the Colts have continued on their buy, so no nothing. Right? It's not like practice reports are saying something's good. You know, <laughs> and many lost a game, which maybe seemed kind of bad to lose, but really was more of a coin flip. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't a coin flip by fourth quarter win share because they they had the the fumble. They did. That's what's you got to always remember. How should the game have been played? How was the game played? The fourth quarter win share tells you how it was played. The, but with Dalvin Cook and that fumble, we're saying, well, it could have went this well, way because yeah, it was fourteen seven Detroit at the half. It could have been fourteen fourteen at the half. Mm-hmm. But I like it better that they lost. Sure. Because now we're only laying four, and they're extra motivated. Yes. Yeah, I, a couple, and I, I don't like the Colts here, but just the, the notes that I had to play devil's advocate, the Vikings missing some key guys on the offensive line, center and left tackle on a short week. Uh, and this is a Saturday game, so it's outside of the routine for Kirk Cousins. So that, that's it. First of all, that's an advantage. <laughs> that's an advantage for the home team. Correct, but we always talk about Kirk Cousins, 1 o'clock, that's, that's when he plays his best. When it's not 1 o'clock on Sunday, Kirk Cousins not as good. So it's 1 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, that's, an, intre- that's an interesting point, is no other time that it's not a Sunday game is it at 1 o'clock, right? It'd so, have to be on Thanksgiving would be the only other time it'd even be an option, I guess. Yeah, so 
thus it's not a vast, vast, you know, almost always. So it, that's an interesting question. I'd rather this game be on Sunday. But if the choice was Sunday at eight o'clock or Saturday at one o'clock, you take Saturday at one o'clock. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that one hundred percent. Kevin Cole had Detroit winning by one with his adjusted score and a pregame EPA said Detroit by point seven. So that coin flip doesn't seem crazy. No. This line, you know, we we talked about a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago would have avoided. The Colts losing against the spread by 24 and by nine and a half. And thus, in theory, man, this would have been so much. Uh, I mean, many would have looked a lot better, but so would the Colts. If anything, I think the Colts have looked worse in the last two weeks relative to expectation than Minnesota. Because Minnesota's expectation was they're not that good. They're an average team. And they've played like an average team. The Colts have played like one of the worst teams in the league the last two weeks. There's no way that's not more of a downgrade. I just think people are sick of many because they've lost some money on them. I mean, let's be honest. If you're a square better, you might have taken the, you know, well, if you're me, I'm with my two-star last week, I, I like many. So I'm going back to the well. Closing thoughts. Are the Cowboys seven points better than the Vikings? Are the Cowboys seven points better than the Vikings? All right, now let's think about this. So when the game was in Minnesota, Dallas was like two, two and a half, if I remember. Mm -hmm. So that assumes about five, five and a half. Now, in the time since, Dallas hasn't looked great. Mini hasn't looked great. I'd say a little less, but close, six maybe. Okay, because the Colts were 11-point dogs in Dallas. Okay, okay, that's interesting. So it's a seven-point difference. So they're yeah. saying basically the Cowboys are seven points better, and that's even considering Minnesota's strong home field advantage. And, and I think that brings up the point, stronger than Dallas for sure, that brings up the point of – I think we're get, getting a couple points here. Yes. I think this line should be six. I mean, it's really as simple as this line should be six. We're getting, we're only laying four. Tend to agree. And I will say this: all points aren't created equal. So in the NBA, for example, and we know key numbers, but also think about the following: what percentage of the time is Minnesota's interest going to be aligned with ours as batters laying four? Well. Most of the time, half of the time, meaning there's going to be times you might win by three or two and you're fine with it. You're not kicking a field goal late. But when you're laying 11, there's a big chunk of time that your interests aren't aligned. And I like the idea against the Colts team that having Minnesota just winning the game effectively, a lot of the time is going to cover for us. Yeah. Now, it's not like winning the game. People say that sometimes at minus two and a half. Oh, it's just like winning the game. Or they'll say at minus three, it's like winning the game or you might push. Uh-uh. That gets dangerous. But in general, a lot of the time, Minnie's motivation and the betters backing them's motivation is going to have the same uh, desired outcome desired yeah. effort and i like that so much more than lane 11 when we see that all the time it gets pretty random at the end it get, i mean look at that bills jets game yeah you know got pretty random at a the game end. that they, the bills were in total control of and still couldn't oh, cover as you nine keep saying as you keep saying i'm not sure about that <laughs> they, they, their next game is christmas eve at home against the giants that's their last home game that's a christmas eve a lot of outside noise going on the opportunity to clinch the division is right here right now I think they want to get the job done on Saturday. Especially off the loss. Exactly. To avoid having to, you know, fall into a situation where, okay, now we have to win next week. Or I mean, look, you, you want to win every game you can, but locking up the division is the first step. And I think they'd rather have it done on Saturday than push it to any further week. I mean, if you look at Minnesota last three games, 
They lost against the spread by eight and a half, one by six, one by four and a half. This is a team that's not uh, not playing extra poorly. But what games were on national TV? The Dallas game, and then this Detroit game mm-hmm. had a lot of interest. The other games, not as much interest, and thus it doesn't have the same effect to the narrative. Okay, that is officially best bet for Scott Sandberg, best bet for me, R.J. Bell on Minnesota, laying the four in the contest, markets four. Okay, next we got A.J.'s best bet, and it actually agrees with my three-star Chicago Bears. Yep, Chicago Bears plus nine. No doubt, Jalen Hurts is playing at an MVP level, but the Eagles have to be at the absolute peak of their value right now, and then they're catching the Bears Coming so off you a buy, value, you mean they're in their the price. market? Yeah, yeah, their price. The Bears are coming off a buy at home. This number is just too much. The, the Bears have been good, much better at home. They beat the Niners at home. They beat the Texans at home. Their next four road games, they've lost by less than five points per game, and that was against solid competition: Washington, Miami, Detroit, Green Bay. So, what's their away numbers? They, that's what I was saying. Oh, their away numbers are poor. Their away numbers they're well below, you know, five. They're well below five hundred ATS on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could see, and the Packers cover was very fortunate, by the way. The, the Bears should have covered against the Packers. I could see the Eagles getting up big, and then letting the Bears in the back door, much like Minnesota did. The Eagles. Well, that's not the way you want to handicap it. I mean, you can say that as a as a, a a bonus, right? But if you expect the Eagles to be up big, then we should wait and play it in game or play it at halftime. Well, given the way the Eagles have done in the second half versus the first half, I don't think it's that crazy. The Eagles and the Chiefs have both had a habit of getting a big lead. Well, and then letting that. it but, go. But if you if you knew for a fact the Eagles were going to be up um, twenty one to ten at halftime, do you still want to bet this? Yes. Well, that's wacky. That is wacky, I think. Because if you think you got a 55% play now, there's no, it's not 55% at that point. Up 21-10, um, you know, you're up 11, laying nine, and you got the whole second half to go. Um, you're going to be a small favorite in the second. I mean, you're about 45% there if you're lucky, even if we assume there's a propensity for Philly to do that. But I think with Philly doing that in the second half, that's something that once the narrative started, it kind of ended. Where it got in their minds, or who knows what? Maybe it was just fluky. But uh, Philly hasn't really dominated the first half as much, and then let let up the gas in the second half. Um, that said, I think it's fair to say that even if things go poorly early, some history tells us maybe there's comebacks. A comeback is in the mix. Yeah. That's fair to say. And then the matchup is great for for the Bears. The Eagles still twenty third in DVOA against the run. The Bears lead the league in run plays. They run 58.6% of the time, and they are the most successful team running the ball. 5.4 yards per carry, best in the league. I think this game should be lined probably around seven. Uh, I I feel like anything over that is gravy. And also, I think we have to consider Philly has look ahead to the Dallas Cowboys here. That game next week, is that's that's the biggest game on their schedule. They beat the Cowboys. They win the division. If they lose this game, doesn't matter. As long as they beat the Cowboys next weekend, they win the division. So I could see the Eagles in a flat spot here. Uh, and I, I think from a stylistic standpoint, from a matchup standpoint, I think the Bears have a lot of advantages. And then the number nine, if we flip, we do the home field flip, you're getting into like 13, 13 and a half points for the Eagles at home. I don't think the Bears, especially the, the second qu- the half question, Bears. The question is, are the Bears 
you know, is the Bears the the Texans? Well, no. Are the are the bear because the Texans are getting seventeen in that spot? Uh, that's true. So Fezzik has the Eagles eleven and a half points better than the Bears. Pre-game research projected margins have it thirteen. Okay, so now if you if you do, let's do the eleven and a half. Now here's the thing you got to do that we talk about a lot, but we don't take the time to explain it too often. Let's do that now. What you want to do whenever you have a spread above seven, and you look at the power rankings. And you're saying 11 and a half, right? That's so, uh, Fezzik's power. Yeah. Range. So what you do there is you say, all right, 11 and a half. And then what I'm going to do is multiply that by 0.75. And what we're saying is we're going to look at the first three quarters as legitimately the team's playing hard. They're not trying to sit on the lead. All right. So if we go 11, get out the calculator, 11 and a half times 0.75. That comes to 8.6, let's call it. Okay, then what happens is you say, hmm, the fourth quarter is usually going to be about even. Right? If you have a team up by, you know, a, a big favorite up by about 10, you're going to be even in the fourth quarter in game. But let's say even minus one for the better team. So you go up to maybe nine and a half. So there is a diminishing return in the power rankings because the power rankings assume the teams are playing hard the entire four quarters. The better team isn't going to be playing hard oftentimes when they're up big in the fourth. They're looking to cruise, right? So, and we've seen that for the Eagles over the course of the year, maybe not as much lately, but, you know, they've had these vendetta games, right? Tennessee was a vendetta game because of Brown, right? They had an in-conference or in-division game against the Giants Mm -hmm. that they were up for. Now they get the Cowboys next week. This is the one flat spot you would say in the last month. I meant, you know, where you would make the case it's been in-division or it's had special meaning. No special meaning here, Mm -hmm. right? Now, it worries me a little bit, you know, and I'd like to see if we have any data on how good does – Philly do against running quarterbacks because what concerns me is Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback that they practice against all the time. Now, obviously, they're not going full bore, but still, it just feels like so. Yeah, so Kyler Murray four carries 42 yards. Okay, when the Eagles played against the Cardinals, um, that's the only running quarterback that they played. Okay, well, that I mean, 10 yards a carry is not bad, mm-hmm. only four carries isn't great, but I mean, Fields runs and Fields in a way is different where he runs between the tackles in a way. Now, he did miss practice because of illness today, all right. And this is this game, uh, this game Sunday, right? Yes, this isn't Saturday, yes, okay. Sunday game. that makes me feel better. In that Cardinals game, though, was that the game where the Eagles were? No, I thought that there was one game where the Eagles were losing and then they scored 21 unanswered. No, that wasn't it. The Eagles were up 14 nothing in that game. Would okay. Daniel Jones count as a running quarterback? For sure. In fact, he's probably the most like Justin Fields. He had four carries last week, 26 yards. Yeah. So here's what puts me over the top with my three-star. And listen, I've been a pro Eagles this year, you know, to my detriment to some degree because I'm on them a lot and I was on them in the Washington game. But this trend is very interesting. You have a team who has a winning percentage better than 86%. All right. And it's late season. It's week 13 or later. It's not the playoffs. And then there's a couple other conditions that don't really matter. I mean, they're kind of tighteners. Things like, well, the ATS margin uh, couldn't be better than 21 the prior game for the better team because sometimes they get really rolling. They want to keep it going. 
Uh, they got to have more than three days rest. So there's you know a couple different little tighteners. But generally, it is an away team with a winning percentage better than 86% week 13 or later. In fact, McKenzie, run that just by itself. Cool. Uh, away team winning percentage greater than or equal to 86% week 13 or later. And playoffs, uh, no. And this is the record since 2005. And this is Philly in this case. Loser, 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 loser. I'm going to keep going. Blah, blah, blah. 26 and 1. Well, 1 and 26. Now, unfortunately for me, the only loser was last week because the Eagles and the Giants <laughs> game were exactly in the same spot. Now, by the way, this is nine points per game, ATS margin, and uh, the only time. And the amazing thing, these teams actually, the average line in this game has been favored by three and a half. And they've lost the games by five and a half. These are these huge winners losing games. The theory is you've got a lot of things locked up. You've got a great record. You're on the road. It tends to be a flat spot. Um, so now you could say, well, it lost last time. Yeah, it was 0-26. Now it's 1-26. <laughs> Just for principle's sake, i got to play it again. Because if I back off now, that's the thing about trends or systems in this case, which are league-wide. If you believe in them, losses shouldn't bother you. Now, at a certain point, losses start to have you question the premise. But 26 in a row and then a loss uh, doesn't do that for me. Or in this case, a win because we're fading it. If all we said was 86%, 13 week, uh, week 13 or later, and away... It is uh, 21% against the spread. That's 16 and 59. And that's six points that's per game. That's with no tighteners. No tighteners. So, and if we look lately, let's let's look at just the last five or so. What do we got going here? So, last game, as we said, was the Giants, which was a winner for the fade. Uh, then it was loser, 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 winner, loser, winner, loser, 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 winner. Loser, 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 winner. And in this instance, we're looking for a loser with this trend. Yeah, because we're fading. Yeah. Exactly. No, no back-to-backs, huh? So, in, yeah, that's a good point. No back-to-back wins. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So, in general, when you got something at six points better, you trust it. But I, what I like about this is it's pure, so logical and it's so simple. I mean, I've got tighteners on it that we're still uh, live for, meaning the tighteners don't tighten it away. And I'm a big believer in this. If you have a fundamental trend that's good or system, it's real good, six points league-wide, and it makes sense, right? Teams that have won a ton on the road tend to be flat late in the year. Their motivation is questionable, right? It, do me a favor, McKenzie. Um, do uh, division for the because in theory, the division would be better for this, and it improves it by a little bit. Meaning it, it it makes it where there's more winners, which is worse for us. But by a smidge, not that it's five and a half points instead of six, so that's not a huge effect. So to some degree, some of this is going to be that these teams are just overrated. No team is as good as fifteen and one or fourteen and one, and we we still saw that with Minnesota. That's just the case with Philly too. You just aren't that good. There's luck, right? And luck goes, and no team is or. Teams typically aren't as bad as one or two win teams. So if all you do late in the year is fade winning teams that are really big winners and fade or play on losing teams, you're going to do okay. In fact, we can't do that for me. Just say, um, let's forget. Huh, this is interesting. Let's say uh, 80% or better 
and week 12 or better and nothing and and no playoffs but nothing else away or division. So this is going to see is the general premise correct? And what we're seeing here is 47% with 500 games. So in general, if you just say, "Hey, a team's winning?" Now do the same thing but put uh less than 20%. We'll do what what's that called the P- the Pettiberg or something? There's like some 80-20 on the time. Um, okay. And, okay, so that's at 50.3? Yeah, that's interesting. So let me see. It's less than 20, week 12 plus. Okay. It's interesting because, you know, do me a favor. Let's break the week by week down because I, I bet 17. Because sometimes at the end, these teams really drop off motivation. I want to see. So, uh, huh. Okay, so they do okay in week 17. Week 15. Uh, week 15, what do we got? 57.4. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, looking at it, though, I'd rather fade. I'd rather fade the better team because there is questionable motivation. You know, do me a favor. Do in division. I'd be interested to see in division here because the question is how do you quantify motivation? On uh, No, it doesn't help much. All right. So fade <laughs> the the best records, judiciously play on the bad bad teams. Huh. Okay. Any closing thoughts? No, sir. All you right. mentioned the Eagles were lucky. Our luck metrics have them as the luckiest team. Hundred thirty points on the season. Okay. So now that's interesting because on one, this is the difference between fourth quarter win share, which the Eagles are number one with the bullet because whatever luck you want to say there is, it's exerted itself. And the scores represented it. They've controlled the fourth very well, uh, number one in the league. So, I mean, if you just look at it, they have a 86% win share in the fourth quarter. And then there's a cluster, Baltimore, Kansas City, Buffalo, all in the 78 to 77 range. So it's like 10, almost 10 full points of difference. Philly's had an amazing year. But the question is, how do they get such control of the game? Well, one of it reasons been turnovers. So when we look at luck, and you said Philly's been the luckiest team, Mackenzie, what are the elements of that? Turnovers make up what? how many points in general have they been lucky? They've been lucky 137 points. All right, now let's think about that. 137 points luckier than average. Now who's been the unluckiest team, and how many points are they unlucky? The Houston Texans, 130 points. Okay. And the Atlanta Falcons, minus 80. Okay, so we have extremes, but 80 and 80 seems like the normal. We have one team that's an outlier on the downside, Houston. One team that's an outlier on the good side, Philly. It's about 33 or 34 points per win. So if I go 137 divided by 33, effectively they're saying about four wins. Wow. Now think about that a second. So if they had four less wins, we'd be talking. We'd be having a whole different conversation yeah. right now. We'd be talking about the Giants. <laughs> That's a good point. So what are the elements of that 130 some points? So they've actually been pretty neutral on turnovers. Green zone, they've been lucky 20 points. Late downs, both for them and for their opponents, they've been extremely lucky. 75 points of luck well, on late downs. They are the best. Like, like fourth and one, it's it's automatic. The yeah. Jalen Hurts quarterback push, it's not even a quarterback sneak, they call it. It's called a quarterback push because they all get behind them mm-hmm. and go. It's unstoppable. Yeah, and that's really, to be honest, 
something we're balancing, which is if you have a team do something exceptionally well for a, a period of the season, do we assume that's the truth? Or do we assume that their general offensive rating, let's say someone's offense was fifth or let's say 10th in the NFL, but their red zone scoring was second in the NFL. Why would that be? Now we can try to find reasons to score in the red zone, the ability to run the ball, willingness to go on fourth down, uh, uh, big receivers sometimes you hear, quarterbacks that are mobile. There's all these theories, though they all seem to be different. I've read probably 10 articles on what leads to red zone scoring, and they usually have different ideas about what it is. So I don't know, but I know you're right. Philly has done exceptionally well at this throughout the year. Is that a sign that that's the truth? Or is that the sign that they've been fortunate? I think it's probably a combination of both. Yeah, I would lean more towards – I do agree there's some level of luck involved, but when you're converting six of seven quarterback sneaks in a game, which they did a couple of weeks ago in mm-hmm. one single game, it's, it's become a skill. And what about their defense? They're 35 points lucky on offense and late downs, and their defense, 37 points lucky. That's a great question. Yeah, so I'm not accounting for the defense. I'm just accounting for the offense. I think that maybe it's a little less luck and a little more that that's what they're good at. that's probably right. But I also think, what's their strength on defense? Well, the cover corners are one of their main strengths. Right, And and they picked up free agency and different things. It was been real shrewd of the GM. I guess Roseman, right? Mm -hmm. Howie Roseman. But, But to me... You would think a team that's great at cover corners starts to suffer in the red zone because cover corners don't mean as much because getting behind doesn't matter anymore. So, like, zone corners can do much just as well in the red zone. Yeah, and you would just expect, because we, we've we talked about Philly being bad against the run, I would just assume, you know, bl- blindly, that if you're bad against the run, you're probably bad in goal line situations or red zone situations. Cause- I mean, ability to run seems to be one of the reoccurring themes of what is important on offense in the red zone. So what I've what we've been doing is saying we uh, so right now McKenzie uh more than 11 weeks in if you had to explain what our assumption is for Philly uh when it comes to let's just say uh red zone scoring it's based upon what 50% is the league average and 50% is a combination between their performance in that particular category late down or green zone and 50% their general offense. Okay. So we're saying a quarter is how right. they've done year to date in the red zone, which is accounting for what you're talking about, but maybe not enough. A quarter is how good their general offense is and a quarter or half is how good the league is because the theory is people that are outliers are typically teams are, are typically not that extremely outliers. Part of me thinks it should maybe be a third, third and third right now. But again, you know, what we can do is we can uh, wait to the end of the season when the truth has exerted itself even more and then kind of say, okay, who looks lucky if it's the teams that do well in the playoffs, maybe we got to start waiting this season more. Right. And if it ends up being some of the teams that we think we're lucky lose earlier in the playoffs, then all of a sudden it kind of seems like we were right. So it's going to be, it's going to be a uh, fine tuning, tuning process. Anything else? No, sir. Okay. So I'm on it with the three on the bears. AJ with his best bet. Correct. Correct. All right. Next game. Fezzik's best bet is the new Orleans saints minus four at home against Atlanta. That smells like a veto. So, but it's so Fezzik. I, uh, I I can't lead off because I actually all the notes I had leaned heavily against the well, Saints. Let's hear let's hear your thoughts. Okay, I 
Well, I, it doesn't. Why would your notes be? Well, because I figured that you'd want to be like a pro Saints handicap. No, but, we don't uh, want to be anything but the truth. Okay, yeah, I've been saying for weeks that the league had figured out Atlanta's offense. I think them making a quarterback change is a really wise choice here because Ritter still has mobility. Ritter was a good runner in college at Cincinnati. But I think they're going to be way more comfortable throwing the ball down the field with him than they were with Mariota. And the Falcons, if you go back to the first game these guys, these teams played against each other, Falcons had a lot of success against the Saints. And that was back when the Saints were healthier. The Falcons. Hold on a second. If you have a lot of success against the Saints, why would you want to change your quarterback? I just meant in general, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, but I'm saying on the offensive side, why change your quarterback now? Well, now because Mariota's had knee surgery, or he's having knee surgery, so it's not even optional. I think that's convenient. (laughs) It might be. I mean, it it sounds like a. I mean, who couldn't use a little quick scrape? I mean, I'm Everyone. serious. Yeah. So, I mean, I can use it. yeah, this is very, uh, they're, they're putting him on the shelf so there's no controversy. They want to finish the year and see what they got. Yeah. Which to me, means they're giving up performance now. If they thought that uh, Mariota wasn't the best choice last week when they were still in the playoff hunt, he wouldn't have quarterbacked. So, the, to me, what I like about this pick is Atlanta's actions tell us they don't think. That Ritter? Is that yeah, Desmond Ritter. They don't think Desmond Ritter is the best choice. So why wasn't he playing last week? Or is it because Mariota's got a knee injury? So now it's a backup quarterback that's in. That's not a choice at all. Yeah. Is it a choice or not? I don't know. I don't know either. And that's interesting. They but said funny. the surgery had nothing to do with their decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what they say. Uh, Fezzik's power ratings, he has the New Orleans Saints as minus one and the Atlanta Falcons as a minus four. So three points better for New Orleans and then New Orleans home advantage in the dome. So you would think that this line, according to Fezzik, would be greater than minus four. So I believe that's why this is his best mm. bet. Mm-mm. I think Vito. these two teams are about even. <laughs> No, it's it is Vito because yeah. he doesn't have any. I mean, really, how does his power ratings even apply? I think the backup prob- quarterback. He probably downgraded Atlanta for the quarterback change. If you've seen Marcus Mariota play the last three or four <laughs> yeah. weeks, you wouldn't downgrade him. So it's a Zach, it's a Zach Wilson Mike White it might very well scenario. Be. <laughs> well, I, well, first of all, it's not that I mean, Mariota's been you know twenty fifth best quarterback, twentieth maybe even if you count the running. I mean, what's his? Let's look at our composite. Twenty second. Oh, there we go. So, I mean, Zach Wilson's not 22nd. He's Andy not, Dalton, ninth. Yeah, not 32nd. Yeah. Um, to me, the reason I like this play is because the Falcons, it's been their defense that's really suffered of late. And if you look at it, Mackenzie, I pulled this up on the super sheet, but I actually forgot my notes. I, I was... Being sick is not fun. Um, can you look at during this losing streak? I think they've lost five or six ATS. And um, get me the uh, offensive plus minus and the defensive plus minus. What we're going to see here is, yep. if I recall, the offense is is pretty much on par to their expected points, and the defense has given up like t- like six extra points a game. If I'm going by memory now, um, we'll look at that. But go ahead. I would see. I would have thought the opposite because, and again, I did. I wasn't looking at the expected points, but I was just thinking. Held the Steelers under 20, held the Commanders under 20, held the Chargers at, at 20. That's all three of the last five games. Like, I, I think early in the season, if, t- if the Falcons were holding teams to 20, they would have had even more success than they did. Yeah, so, uh, again, I could recall that uh, wrongly, and it could have been inverted. So let's take a gander. But continue. 
but also your your stats are much fancier than mine, and, yeah, we'll and like uh, than just simple wins and losses. But I think these two teams are about even, and I think getting four at, at home is is just it's too much of a stretch. The pregame margin doesn't have it as significant as Fezic. We have one point four difference between New Orleans and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And again, that's going to be looking at the uh, average, and this is a fascinating approach. We look at our stats projection. We look at the uh, Kevin Cole numbers. We look at Football Outsiders numbers. We look at our adjusted EPA. We look at Neflo, and we take an average of each game. We're talking about each game and saying what was the score should have been. And then we say, all right, what's your average uh, plus minus on the season? So, for example, Philly should have won by, and they're number one, 8.7 points. And then Buffalo, number two, 6.4. And if you think about it, typically in power ratings – the best team in the league is about eight points better. And it gets a little more as the time, as the season progresses, there's usually more distance between teams just because we have a better feeling about team. We have more, if we play at the end of a baseball season, you have a good idea how good these teams are, right? Because you have 162 games. Yeah. Here, they always say, they always say run differential is the biggest indicator of, you know, success and whatnot. And, and yeah. point differential, mm-hmm. which people convert to the Pythagorean wins is a variation of this. It's just these are adjusted scores, which are saying should be more telling about the future. So just to read the, you know, these are, this is the power ranking list and I'll read the top half or so. Tell me where it feels wrong. Philly, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas city, San Francisco, Dallas, new England. That's the, that feels high. It's interesting. Baltimore, Miami, Tampa Bay Mm. feels high. Cleveland, Feels high. Well, everyone. I mean, every every advanced metrics on Cleveland. So, um, no, I hear you. It, it's just there's no way it could be avoided because it's what everyone thinks now. Is it right or wrong? I don't know. Seattle, Jacksonville, Jets, Detroit. Remember, Detroit's blending the whole year, right? Yeah. Want to take the last mm-hmm. same with game. Seattle. Like I, right because right now I'm thinking, oh, Seattle feels high, but then you you take into account what yeah. they did early in the oh, season. Shit, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, were 12, so 12, I can't imagine they'd be lower than twelve. Um, but right now, Jacksonville is probably a favorite over them on a neutral, just because Jacksonville is yep. playing better. Detroit's certainly a favorite over them on a neutral. Yeah. I think yeah. So. Well, I, yeah. And probably Jets are too by a smidge. Now, if we go in reverse order from the bottom, Houston, Chicago, and again, that's the whole season, Indianapolis, Arizona, Rams, Atlanta, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Giants, you know, Denver. This all makes the, the Giants might feel a little low when you blend the whole season, I guess. Well, but that's the thing is, is Fez had the Giants like at 20 when they kind of lost hardly any game. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, that's proven out to be true. And, yep. and He's that, got him at minus four, which is the fourth worst team in the league. Yeah, and if you think about it, he's a, he, when I say him, it can be him, it can be the analytics. He's using analytics, he's using other things. In general, it's always going to be right or almost always going to be right. The que- not always, but almost. But the question is, by to what degree? What I think people tend to do is they get a stake, emotional stake in it. Giants aren't any good, you know. Minnesota ain't any good, and I think that's one of the reasons Minnesota was a good pick for us early in the pod here, because I think that yeah, they they maybe are an average team or a little better, but an average team or a little better should be more than four at home, yeah. especially with great home field. But there's just an anti-Minnesota s- sentiment. I think the Giants have gotten that too. 
And a lot of sharp money was on the Giants last week. I was on it, but a lot of sharp money certainly I was, was on it. at seven. And and some, you know, not so sharp. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just tease. You're a homer for a the Giants. A loss is a loss. You're, I tell you this, you are you came off the Giants at different points, yeah. which tells me I like that opinion, um, meaning that if someone's a homer but they will be off a team, mm-hmm. I think it just means they have good insight, right? The guys that are always on the team. All right, so the Falcons, one and six ATS run. And um, so you were right, AJ. I had that flip. The defense. Well, no way. Yeah, giving up more. So I'm right about that. Okay. Yeah. The d- defense has given up five and a half more points per game during this seven game run than they were expected. Now, what's expected? Imagine the line's four. Total's 44. What's the expected final? 24 20. Right? You can impute a final score from a total and a spread. It, no matter what, it's simple math, and it's a, it's a valuable thing to do because then you can say how is this team doing? That's their net margin, and where is that margin being affected, offense or defense? In this case, the offense has actually exceeded expectations. So now you're taking away, and this is just the last seven games when they're one and six. So when you're exceeding expectations on offense, but you only cover once out of seven games, it's the defense. Yeah. Well, they got that same defense. Yep. But now they got a rookie quarterback. Yeah. So Fez's uh, or Vito's pick makes a lot of sense to me. I, I probably will be part of the, our card for the Super Contest. Next game. That is your four weight, and it's a crossfire with me. You should not be surprised. Oh. Now, usually I would have no problem with that. But this year? And plus, I'm bet. Oh, now I'm really conflicted. This is only my two weight. <laughs> okay, okay. Only my two weight. All right, you go first. Uh, I'm, I'm on the L.A. Chargers minus oh. three. Oh, <laughs> And the Chargers passing offense looked the best it's looked all season last week. And now they get to go against a Tennessee Titans defense that can't stop a nosebleed right now. Tennessee is allowing 284 yards passing per game. That's 31st in the league. They rank 26th in the league against the pass in DVOA. The Chargers are 26 against the run. Chargers are bad against run, but Tennessee has not been that good running the ball this year. They're 21st in rush DVOA, so it's not as much of a mismatch as you would think. The Titans are just still so banged up in the secondary, and if they're if the Chargers offense looks anything like it did last week against Miami, Herbert's in for a massive day. The Titans have lost four well, of their considering last. Considering Herbert's had what one massive day in the last two months, yeah, got to got to be coming though. Well, but listen, Keenan well, Allen and Mike Williams will be on the field again. Hey, listen, it's wonderful when games don't matter. I, sure. wish, I wish there was a way I could say, you know, the last year's income, don't worry about that. I got a flu in November or I got mono or, oh, my two, I only had one $20 million receiver, not two. Continue. Okay. The, the Titans started the season five and two. They've now lost four of their last six. And when you go back and look at who they've beat, they have one win this season over a team with a winning record. That was week five against the Commanders, led by Carson Wentz. This team has done nothing against good competition. And, and the Chargers are good competition? Well, the Chargers I mean, have a winning record. Is, wow. Is, 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 uh, now, who, what's the big wins of the Chargers? Well, one of them was last week. Oh, I know. I know that's why this is a premium. I know why this is a great opportunity for value going against them. When else? 
The Chargers' wins have come against... Because you seem to really drill into the... They've got one win. I mean, you're talking like you're a drill sergeant. i got one win. And it's like, okay, let's shine the light. Physician, heal thy, thyself. Well, well uh-huh. Uh-huh. The, the Chargers have one win against a team with a winning record. Okay, so that's an even. It is but an even. But somehow you didn't say it. With, no, you got to say it with that energy. The Chargers, the Chargers have one win against a team with a oh, winning you record. See how his voice softened yeah. lovingly there. You're talking. <laughs> you're talking down about Herbert. Just, just oh, Herbsy, Herbsy. <laughs> Give him a break. Here's what's happening. What's the market line right now? Three. Really? Mm-hmm. Go to pregame.com and check what the market says. Looks like it's three plus a hundred. Let's see. All right. But hey, don't let details get in the way. Let let me say make a few points about Arizona. Or oh, check that the Chargers, boy, they should hardly have won that Arizona game. That was a huge win of theirs. That really was pathetic. That game, boy, if they only had lost that, we could have shut that. But really, all questions were answered last week. Remember. I think I, football. <laughs> I, I value the games where the actual team is on the field. Yeah. And even even this game, they didn't have so their let me defense. Ask you a question. Is there any other team that you've made excuses for because of injuries? Baltimore I've made excuses for really? for injuries. When? I mean, I'm talking in the last, let's say, I don't know, month. Yeah, I've made excuses Baltimore? for Baltimore. Anyone else? Uh, no. Okay. Um... You don't berate anybody else. You you have this disdain. You I have I a personal berate? disdain for the Chargers or for no, Justin Herbert. No, at least. I don't. I hate. It's the same thing as Trevor Lawrence. I got no problem with him. I don't love when people glorify some very, let's be candid, in some ways, average people. There's nothing about. It's a guy that sat at Oregon couldn't win a game. If you watch Justin Herbert a throw a football, you no, will never say his, he's an average that's his football natural player. Natural talent. You're right, but everything else, I don't see it. I mean, how could you be that good and be that flat at Oregon? I mean, how you handicapped them for four years. How often were you scared of Herbert? Uh-uh, you weren't. No. Uh, well, I'm not scared now. And you know what? Never made the playoffs yet. Did he? Did he even play a January one bowl game? Yeah. He did. When? Yeah. Uh, he, I, I believe Justin Herbert played on the na- the runner up for the national championship. When Oregon lost in the national title game. Oregon lost to Ohio State, didn't they? Yeah. That's been like nine years ago. Well, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I want to see what his main... All right, he actually had a Rose Bowl win, it looks like. Yeah. Okay. Who'd they beat? Like Wisconsin or something? <laughs> uh, Wisconsin, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, there you go. Good call. By one. By one, okay. <laughs> uh, so there you go. We can, we, can, we can hang our hat on that win. This guy is not a winner. Can we agree? I agree. All right, and thus you want him to win. If we want, if if somehow Wide World of Sports brings back the Saturday Skills events or whatever, I, I, who can throw a ball and touch the moon or something, I'll bet on Herbert. If it's going to be winning games, not as injured. I'll bet on Vrabel. Actually, okay. You forgot about when Justin Herbert won the Red Box Bowl over Michigan State seven <laughs> six. Well, I bet some of his receivers were out. Yeah, well, opted out. oddly enough, Trevor Lawrence made Vrabel look really bad last week because Vrabel doesn't have anybody in the secondary right now. You're right. If, if a team throws downfield, it's trouble against Tennessee. Unfortunately, Chargers don't throw downfield. They have like one of the shortest A dots in the entire. That, I wonder why, because well, Keenan Allen's been out the whole season. I've never seen. Is this Jerry Rice or Keenan Allen? I've never seen a receiver. Is Keenan Allen any good? Let's start there. Keenan Allen's a top 10 receiver in the league. Top 10. Top 10. Boy, first off, the idea of top 10, that was not being very bold. 
Like you're saying amongst like like you're saying like a third of the teams have a better receiver. That's probably fair. How good is he? Oh, but maybe that's why Herbert isn't going to be good. Cuz let's be honest, last year the receivers were there, right? Yeah. How do he do? I mean, Herbert had one of the best years. How how they do in the playoffs? They didn't. This is in the playoffs. Well, it pretty much is because Tennessee is going to be in the playoffs. Okay. You think? I think. All right. I think because Tennessee plays in a, a bummy division, they're going to be in the playoffs. I well, think that's about it. Do you, I I don't think Tennessee's better than the Chargers. Who has a better record? They've got the same record now. Do they have the same record? They're both seven and six, I believe. Is that right? Both right. seven and six. All right. So that's pretty good for the Chargers. But why? how's their home field? They don't have much Non-existent. Why are they laying three? Uh, because the Tennessee Titans – are banged up. So now, by the way, what was the market? Did you figure out the market? Oh, no, I did not. Okay. Well, we got... You started yelling we got, about something else. I'm not yelling. <laughs> I'm making... I'm trying to match your intensity. All right, all right. We, we got two best bets on this game from some um, contributing pros. First up, Diamond Dave Esler, and then the Hitman. We're going to do one, and then I'll make a comment because I don't like this pick. Let's listen. I love and bet the Chargers minus three. And after cashing my biggest NFL bet this season, fade in Tennessee, last week, I'm doing it again. They're a team that fired their general manager. They have no identity. They're also a team that hadn't faced much adversity. They've been a playoff team for three years. Now they're facing adversity and they're not handling it very well at all. Losers of three straight. Of their six losses, all of them have been to playoff contenders. Four of them have been to legit Super Bowl contenders. L.A. is a playoff contender. Point being, Tennessee's wins have come over non-playoff contenders, with the exception being Washington. Since Week 12, the Titans' pass defense ranks 31st in EPA allowed, which can't be a good thing against this Chargers offense. The Chargers will probably be favored in their remaining four or close, so a win here, an 11-6 season is within their reach. A buy-in that statement went over Miami, which was their first win over a team over 500 which I guess could be considered a bad thing, but we're looking at right now as opposed to the whole season with a depleted wide receiver group. You know, this summer, the look-ahead line here was the Chargers minus five. Both teams have obviously underperformed, probably relative to expectations this year, but in my opinion, the Titans have been much more underwhelming, and now I can lay less than a field goal or a field goal. Chargers minus three. I don't say this too often, but BS, Dave Esler. <laughs> BS. Reeling, if there's any team that's not going to reel, it's Vrabel's team. Now, I agree. It was a little disruptive. The power, By all accounts, or by most accounts, a power struggle won by Vrabel. Maybe a little discombobulating last week. Jacksonville, I mean, listen, Lawrence had... A great game. I mean, to be honest, it is kind of perfect storm for me. He's not going to be a top 10 quarterback, most likely. But I'm going to get paid off on the bet I made with McKenzie. <laughs> I mean, I really was threaded the needle with that one about, almost perfectly. And, you know, have some fun, Trevor. I don't care. But now lane three. Lane three. What was the? That's interesting. What was the line in that Tennessee game? The Jags-Tennessee yeah. game? Tennessee was like four, right? Four yeah. and a half. So now... All of a sudden, that means they were a couple points better than, in theory, Jacksonville. And now they're a couple points worse than the Chargers. Except I don't think the Chargers are any better than Jacksonville. Let's see. The Chargers in our ratings. Oh, look. We've got them 17. And we got Jacksonville 13. What does Fez have? Fez has it as a 
1.5 difference. Yeah, but w- where's the Chargers? Where's Jacksonville? So, oh, oh, Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah the Jacksonville is a minus 0. 0.5. Uh-huh. And the Chargers are plus a plus 0. 0.5. Okay, so, so one, one point, point difference. difference. Okay, so we're saying it looks like like three or four points of difference in last week's relative line, but it's one point different. It's the premium. Well, maybe not. Maybe the look-ahead line didn't account for that wonderful win on the Chargers. Oh, wait a minute. The look-ahead line said one and a half, but now it's three. But not really three, is it? No, it's three, either even or minus 05. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I'll support you a little bit. Uh, Mike Vrabel, as an underdog, since he became a head coach, 24 and 15, ATS and the Chargers 29th in EPA allowed per handoff 25th. So you can run on them. So you can run on them with. Sometimes you talk about. I said that. You said I'm betting the team lane three that can get run on against the best running back in the league. Oh, well, the Titans are 21st in DVOA on offensive rushing, so they're not that good running the well, ball. No, they're excellent running the ball. It's just efficiency versus usage. They run the ball so much, teams try to stack the box, and they still can run the and ball. And the good news is yeah. Tennessee's top two wide receivers both out. So if you don't have to worry about them throwing the ball down the well, field, you know it makes it easier to stop no the run. No matter what happens, we don't really have to take responsibility, do we? Mm. We can just say Tennessee's receivers are out. You got anything else? No, I was going to say uh, I was going to give the DVOA stats, but uh, he, AJ gave that before 25th in the league, run defense. All right, so we got the hitman here. He's been MIA a couple weeks on the pod, but he comes in bucking me? <laughs> yep, he's got the charges too. Let's listen. Best bet. Chargers minus the three. The Titans this year on offense have scored on 29% of their drives, only ahead of the Denver Broncos. As far as yards per drive, they're only ahead of the Houston Texans. Derrick Henry has been struggling over the past month with only one good game against Jacksonville. The week before was the first time in four years where he did not register a broken tackle. And yeah, I know that the Chargers run defense isn't the best, but getting a lot healthier this week, getting back Sebastian Joseph Day, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, and Bryce Callahan. You know whose defense is not getting healthier? Tennessee Titans. Cluster injuries to their defensive backs, their linebackers, defensive line with Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry. And this is a Titans defense that faces the highest pass rate from opposing offenses. So with Justin Herbert now having Mike Williams back and the rest of his weapons fully healthy, it's a great matchup for Justin Herbert. Long story short, Chargers got value up to minus three and a half due to the cluster injuries and the big time plus matchup for Justin Herbert. Best bet, Chargers minus three. Listen, there's something about young people or those that wanna be younger than they are, not saying anyone in particular, the, and Herbert, there's some weird, I wonder, and I'm not saying, listen, I have no doubt that AJ is a good, I don't want to say, say even good, but he's happily married to his wife. I think that's fair to say. Would you agree? I agree. Okay. So let's accept that. And then I'm going to come up with a theory that you might take offense to, but it's really not about you. And it really isn't. Would you agree if a, if a sports picker were gay? that the looks of the quarterback would affect who he liked. Because, for example, when in pro wrestling, let's say you're looking at the ladies in the WWE, generally a straight guy is going to like the hot, the ones he thinks are extra hot, right? And 
I'm assuming in wrestling, for example, a, a gay fellow would like the guys he liked, you know, aesthetically. Not saying that's the only thing, but it would be a factor, wouldn't you think? I guess so. You guess, or it seems pretty clear. Like as someone who handicaps women, did you like women, Ronda Rousey? Uh, as someone who handicaps women's MMA, <laughs> I don't care what they look like. I mean, I sure like watching the ones who well, look you're nice. Prof- you're a professional handicap, and you're. I an will expert. bet on Paige Van Zant in any fights, and you would lose almost all the doesn't time. Doesn't matter. But that's <laughs> the point. It doesn't Paige doesn't this isn't their value going against her oftentimes? Yes. Why do you think? Because the heteros are bad yes, honor. Yes. And I'm just saying, Herbert seems to be dreamy. He's not even that good looking. He's got a weird boy, nose. You have a strong. You have a, boy, you're giving it a hell of a look. I've never, I couldn't think of knowing what his nose looked like. I mean, I've seen, he's on commercials now. He's like a, uh, he's becoming do, a big star. Do you have a, a Google alert? What like every time he's in the news, you get a little. No, alert? I just see him on commercials. All I'm saying is, it does feel like there's something about, and you know, here's the thing: Brad Pitt, for example. I think a lot of guys who are not in any way anything but straight like Brad Pitt because people generally gravitate towards leaders, people that seem confident, and oftentimes, confident people are uh, stem from their looks. Right? I think oftentimes. If I had a choice between a good-looking quarterback and an ugly quarterback, mm-hmm. I would take the good-looking quarterback because I feel like he's, he's got confidence. Yeah, he's a more confident guy. He's probably well, a especially better if his girlfriend's better-looking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many how many money ugly, ugly top-tier quarterbacks confidence. are ugly? I don't. You know what's funny? I don't judge the looks. Oh, of these you're guys. you're lying. No, I really don't. They, now, if someone is stunningly good-looking, like Jimmy G or whatever, though, again, he's. I see him the. I see the symmetry in his face. What's funny is for me, if I think a guy's good looking, he's usually femi because I think I, I do like girls. So thus, a femi guy is going to be the better looking guy to me. A tough guy that's got a beard or something, a lot of girls are swooning over. I was I think, ugh. You know, that's just me, though. Okay. So amongst the quarterbacks... I mean, I, Brady was, uh, you know, relatively, you know, I guess... Uh, Andrew Luck was not good looking. No, and <laughs> I never liked him. Who now? Roethlisberger. No. Yeah, I l- listen, I love Big Ben the most. You think he's beefcake? Uh, Big Ben was, at the end, when he was a little heavier and with the beard, he was less attractive. Well, you got the details of this all figured listen, out. Listen, I can't. He wasn't ever GQ. I'm secure. All right. <laughs> Maybe too secure. Maybe so. <laughs> all right. But I think we all agree. There does seem to be something that isn't even homosexual, let's say, about Herbert. That people, like there was a dude on The Ringer who is so... He was like you a little bit. I was like, let, let me make my point. I think Stephen Louise is his name. Now I think about it. And he seems to have good insight. And, he, you know, the ringer doesn't hire guys that aren't experts. So, you know, he's qualified, it seems to me. All right. But he goes, all qu-, he actually was saying, like, you, all questions are answered. Herbert's the, after the last week, the second best quarterback in the NFL, which is better than Josh Allen because he thinks number one. So, it's like what, but he's like he goes he goes I this is what this dude said he goes I got food poisoning today but I feel fine because of Herbert. <laughs> I mean what the hell you got food poisoning but you're fine because Herbert had one good game and brought him to what seven and six is that the record? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's I, small. I really do think people and I'm this is probably part of why I'm enamored with Herbert. Is <laughs> enamored when you see him throw the football, you get. You fall in love with upside and potential. And I've said, if you've got a quarterback who has a mutant ability, that's something that that you want. Like, that's something you want. And the way he throws the football, I don't think anybody else can do it. He throws the best football in the NFL. And so I think all he's got to do is 
tweak a thing here or there, and boom, he's he's one of the best guys in the league. What did you think of Jeff George? I thought Jeff George was really good at throwing the football. <laughs> I, I mean, there, sure, there are examples, but I'll take that well, and be more, wrong. There's probably more examples. Over the guys who can't throw the football like that. And so could Peyton Manning throw the football like Peyton that? Peyton Manning couldn't throw the football like that. So you'd rather have Herbert than Peyton no. Manning? No, not, not, not now in hindsight. I'm not saying that I think this about Herbert, but... The wickedest man in the world. Oh, you're so you're so negative against him. I don't understand this. He's going to prove you wrong this week. I mean, it sounds like almost the way you were saying he sold his soul to the devil. No. How could, how could you be the best thrower of the football on earth and think I just happened? I mean, somebody has to be it. Yeah, the just one that sells to be soul him. to the devil. <laughs> all right. We got all the opinions, and then we got the right opinion. <laughs> take Tennessee. Take Vrabel. All right. Next up, we got his four-way, and this is Scott. It's the Baltimore-Cleveland game. In the game, Cleveland at home favored by two and a half. Yeah, I was a little worried because the contest line was two and a half, and I was hoping to get a three. But then I looked at the practice report for the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm not worried. They're going to win this game outright. Tyler Huntley's practicing. Mm -hmm. He's going to get cleared. He's going to play in this game. So I'm not worried about Anthony Brown being at quarterback for the Ravens. They're going to have Huntley. And when you look at the Ravens, what they did last week with J.K. Dobbins being back on the field, that running game is now going to be even deadlier than it has been all season long. I thought running backs don't matter. Well, J.K. Dobbins, 15 for 120 last week, certainly mattered. But here's where running backs don't matter. I don't care about Nick Chubb because the Ravens have the number one run defense in the NFL since acquiring Roquan Smith on defense. They're also the best third down defense in the league. So if Deshaun Watson finds himself in a third down situation, I think that the Ravens will get him off of the field. And they own the Cleveland Browns. The Ravens are 10 and 14 ATS in their last four, excuse me, 10 and 4 ATS in their last 14 games against the Cleveland Browns. They're 6 1 and 1 in their last eight road games in Cleveland. And Kevin Stefanski in the division, not a good coach. He is the second least profitable coach ATS in his own division. Yeah, and if you actually look at it and take out the Cincinnati games that Cleveland has done exceptionally well, it's even worse. It's it, it, in December or later in the division, they're 0-3 ATS. Stefanski as a favorite, not a good role for him. 9-17 and against the spread as a favorite. They do well as dogs, not as favorites. They're 4-12 and ATS in the division under Kevin Stefanski. I think the Ravens win this one outright. Okay. So real quick, I'm going to jump back. I have one more thought on this Chargers game. <laughs> oh, and then we can look at Hold on, our – All right, I was going to look at our ratings. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I got some stuff on this game. Brandon Staley, as you, would, <laughs> oh, as you would expect, as you would expect, he's what, a little flashy, a little full BS. You agree with that, right? I do. How's he do when he's riding high after a win, right? Six and nine against the spread. You might think that's not so bad. Four and a half points per game, ATS margin. This is a team when they win, they get comfortable with it. They don't win a lot. That's how they're never above 500. <laughs> they win a game and it's like they're going to be flat after. But let's agree, that is pretty bad. That off is a damning. Win. You're right. That is damning. Now, back to Baltimore. I agree with the following Smith, linebacker, off ball linebacker. He's been a revelation. He's, not, he's unlocked some of the Ravens' defense beyond his play. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, by all accounts, a hyper intelligent defender. 
and high IQ, which Ravens like, and uh, Queen uh, has been unlocked in a way. It's almost like he's being mentored. I, I think in general, it's fair to say that Baltimore D is exceptional. Now, the offense isn't. With a backup or the third stringer, I guess it does matter. There's a drop-off. But still, it, wasn't all that, it hasn't been all that great with Lamar. So my thought is Cleveland gets conservative. They like to run. These are the teams that are the fourth and sixth most running uh, reps or, let's say, carries per game, number four, number six in the league. I know that the – what's the latest total on this? I know it's going to be fairly low. I guess we got it at 37. Mm, that is low. Um, boy, this is like the old days now, 37s, <laughs> yeah. 41's a key number. I like it. I, I feel like I'm – it's like when Belichick plays a game against like the Chargers, for example, it feels like an old-school game. I like this. Um, three, at three, this gets very interesting. That's why I was a little Yeah, hesitant. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I would say at three, I like it. At two and a half, probably lean that way. But let's not forget, if you do look at what the pregame composite is, and again, that's five different sources, and the Browns are shockingly high in this, and that includes them being, or that means them being the 11th best team in football. Baltimore is, this is fascinating, the eighth, but there has to be a downgrade from Lamar. Mm -hmm. Let's be conservative and say four points. The line moved more than that in the Pittsburgh game, but let's say four points. So now it means Cleveland is a, a better team by about a point. I would, I would, which means the line should be three. I'd but upgrade to that, but I'd upgrade Baltimore maybe a half a point with J.K. Dobbins. Mm, I don't think so, but I will say, in my opinion, I will say this: Watson has yet to show that he's going to mm-hmm. shake off the rust. And if 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 he does, all these numbers are based upon Brissett, who's had a better year. Weeks 1 through 12, Cleveland was 5th in passing DVOA. Mm-hmm. In the two weeks with Deshaun, they're 25th. Yeah. That's even higher than I would have thought. So I agree. If we assume Cleveland's as good, in fact, this makes me like Baltimore more, thinking of it this way. If we assume that Cleveland is as good as they've been this year, meaning that Deshaun's as good as Brissett, which he hasn't been yet, mm-hmm. this sign should be 3. And that's if you're getting three, you're, it's a coin toss. But I think there's a, a better than 50% chance that Watson doesn't play as well as Brissett has this year, this game. And thus, the value's on the plus three. At two and a half, less so, but still a lean, I'd say. Yeah, I think the Ravens, certainly at two and a half, are an, an excellent teaser leg. Yeah, and it's one of those Especially things. Especially with a total of 37. Good point. Good point. It is a good teaser. In fact, it's probably a great teaser. Now, here's the thing. If the market's at three... And you're teasing up from two and a half. You're giving a, the reason that teasing up from three doesn't make as much sense is you. Don't talk about teasing up from two and a half. Yeah, but yeah. I'm saying, but if the market's three, mm-hmm. or if there's even threes out there, right? It's that you'd rather take the three yes. than tease up to two and a half. Yes. Anything yeah. else? Uh, the Ravens last five seasons: thirty and seventeen ATS on the road, twenty-one and twenty-eight at home ATS. So they cl- had years and years. They were so good at home. Oh, yeah. Which kind of goes to show a lot of people think these home away splits, unless there's a fundamental reason like the noise in uh, New Orleans or the noise in Seattle or the grass in Green Bay, which are some of them, and the noise in Minnesota now, is they tend to have like five-year chunks where they're good, then they're not, and they're not. And it's not even if the team's good or not. It just feels random. Well, I was going to ask, is it, do you think it happens because if a team's so good at home for a long time, they start to get 
over overvalued at home, and then it, then they end up losing for a while. And there could be that too. There could be. I mean, it's a good point. Uh, it matters how good they are, right? If it's a conversation piece, for sure. We saw that with Seattle. Seattle, long time they were doing well at home, but the lines were in line. Then they started being like, even if it's against a team that was equal, it was like five. Yeah. And it's like, what, what are you going to do there, right? You're going to pass. <laughs> All right. Next game, good stuff from Scott. Four weight on Baltimore. Ideally plus three, but plus two and a half for this contest. Okay, next up, Arizona-Denver. This is my final weighted play. It's a two on Denver, minus two and a half. Two weight, minus two and a half. You guys might have seen over the newswire just a few hours ago, GM Keim uh, taking a leave of absence Mm -hmm. for health reasons. Um, and it's an indefinite leave. This team is going to get blown up. It seems he's 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 first one. You know the old saying: it's not uh, it's not panic if you're the first one out the door. Well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that there's a real. How could there be anything but a demoralized Arizona team? Because you're by some accounts, he won't be back all of next year, or they're speculating possibly. Mm-hmm. So if you've lost your quarterback that you just paid hundreds, just think if they hadn't paid him. Which they didn't have to. They did not have to. He'd be Baker, he'd be Baker Mayfield at this point. Well, who knows what he'd be, but he, I tell you this, he'd be on a rookie deal in, yeah. in, in year four. And, or, yeah, it'd be, no, this is year four. So he, you know, that's it. But they already exerted the option, I guess, before. So they'd have him in a 50-year option. But either way, it'd be so much better than Oh, this. yeah. Because who's to say with that a small quarterback mobility is key if he loses? I mean, RG3, that's all you got to look at. RG3 was better than Andrew Luck his rookie year. He won Offensive Rookie of the Year, RG3. And then he wasn't, you know. Well, Shanahan should have never played him in the playoffs. Well, you know, there's a lot. I mean, <laughs> You wanted to play. How dare you speak <laughs> ill of Mike Shanahan? No, I don't know. I mean, I hear I different. I want to bench John Elway. I'm not going to bench RG3. He wants to be out there. <laughs> that's a quote from that was a quote getting, from thanksgiving yeah we're getting <laughs> channeled or something okay that's good um it, it's an interesting debate but what we know for sure is that he wasn't very good after yeah but obviously the question is russell wilson did not practice on wednesday my assumption is he's not gonna practice or play or not play uh, does anyone else have any uh, rationale why they think otherwise? Well, it said here that he had, he's advanced enough in the NFL's protocol to participate in some of Wednesday's practice. Mm-hmm. He's at a part where he's allowed he's allowed 30 minutes of football-specific exercise. So he was in uniform at practice, had his helmet, did stretching, and he did individual drills where he, he threw had the receivers. Yeah, that that's that's a sign of what? Like he had it with him. Well, he was in helmet throwing throwing to receivers, but like that was it. He had thirty minutes that he was allowed to do football related things. That's how far he's progressed in the protocol. So, I mean, it seems to me that typically when you get hurt one week, you don't play the next. I mean, more often than not, mm-hmm. yeah. And I I don't see any reason to rush him back. I mean, assume he's at eighty five percent. Maybe he is better than the backup. Do you really want him out there at less than what he's been this year? No. Keeping the narrative going. Now, another thing with Hackett is he's, you know, he's probably going to lose his job. Does he want to roll the dice here? Maybe I don't know. Um, in a weird way, for Hackett, if Ripon can win, it almost makes it seem like it's Russ's fault more. That's why I think that he would rather go with Ripon. Yeah, it's almost like a, uh, it's like a no lose situation. Because if you lose the game, it's like I'm without Russell Wilson, I'm without my starting quarterback, and if you win the game, it's 
Told you it was Russ's fault, not mine. <laughs> Rippon was not impressive. His one, I think it was one, one game. But I'll tell you this. I think the defense started losing. I mean, is it a coincidence the defense gave up as many points as they? I know KC's good. But historically, Denver has kept KC under control. Now, that was under Fangio. But remember, stay, uh, I mean, I guess what I would say is uh, I kind of don't want for this pick Russell to play. Though I think the line may go down. So, you know, if you don't think Russell's going to play and you like it with Rippon, I'd wait maybe and see if you can get a better line. It's not going to three, right? And my rationale is this. I think that defense is sick of his shit. And, and I think that I've I would been agree. predicting a disengagement from them, and I think they would love to win a game without him. But think about we saw this, we saw it happen with the Jets, how the team was frustrated, how the team yep. was really losing it and, and was running the risk of being disengaged. They make the switch to Mike White, and all of a sudden, now they're fired up and they're, they're back into it. Yeah, they lost a couple of tough games, but they played the Vikings and the Bills. Yeah, so I to me, this is – Almost like a a cultural play on both sides. I think Arizona is at its breaking point. And as much as we say, oh, maybe Cole McCoy's just as good, looking at the numbers, that's just not the Atlanta, or I'm sorry, the Arizona defense has been so bad recently. And the only good game the offense has had was last game before this most recent game on Monday night, in which it was a start by Kyler Murray, and he had a really good start. And um uh, to me, I I don't think Colt McCoy's as good as people think. There's a reason he's a thirty what six year old backup, I think. And number two, I think that the GM st- effectively stepping down. Could you say I don't know? But taking a leave is a sign that there's tumult in the building. And I think in Denver, there's been tumult, and that tumult is now sitting there, a little dazed. Yeah. Is what I expect. So that's probably good. I mean, I'm not happy these days, but if I can make money off it, <laughs> yeah. why not? Yeah, you're right. Any closing thoughts? No. That, I agree me, with this, yeah, I agree me, with the this defense, play. The defense of uh, Denver against Colt McCoy, it's a no-brainer. All right, next up, my Pittsburgh Steelers, Carolina Panthers. Carolina favored by three. Now, this is one that could have been two and a half. This is my three-weight, by the Your way. Your three-weight. My three-weight. All right, let me, as a Pittsburgh fan, let me give my thoughts, and then I'll take my leave. And I got it through here. And, you know, it's like the adrenaline gets going. But then whenever I do that, then I start getting in a cold sweats at. You ever do that where you're kind of sick? You Mm -hmm. do something, your adrenaline goes up, and then you just start sweating after, and it's cold. And I'm going to be in a cold car, you mother effers. All right, anyway, Fez. (laughs) <laughs> Scott, go warm up his car. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good. I got, I got the ability to click it. I He's never my three star. So you go. You no, go. no, 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 no. I'll take care of it. But here's my take here. I actually like Carolina here, especially at two and a half. Though at three, I like them a little. You like Pittsburgh? I like Pittsburgh. All right, and here's why for me. If you look at Pittsburgh, they had some turnovers in the Baltimore game, and that was probably why they lost. I mean, in fact, they beat them yards per play. In a lot of different ways, but turnovers was the difference. Before that, it had been, and I'm going, I left my notes at home by memory. Mackenzie pulled up in the super sheet. It had been four straight games, they didn't have any turnovers. And if I remember in those, uh, they, or maybe it's been six straight games without turnovers, and in two of them, the other team didn't have any, and in two of them, they won the turnover, or in four, they won the turnover battle. So 0 0 0 0, then 0 1 0 1 0 1 0 1 is what I remember. 
We'll see in a second. Yeah, been four straight games before this, before the last week. That they what? That they had zero turnovers and the opponent had two or one. Okay, so what you're saying is they won the turnover battle four straight, then there was the Baltimore game. Yes. Okay, now here's the thing. If you look at like yards per play, you look at just purely how efficient the offense for Pittsburgh's been, it has been an improvement over what was early in the year. But if you actually look at the results, the turnovers were effectively the deciding factor in nearly every game. So this is probably a purely average team, if not a little below average, with equal turnovers. So let's say they're 18th with equal turnovers. They've been playing like they're 12th or 10th because they haven't turned it over. The opponent has. And that's that's why the win. I mean, that's why they were. I mean, effectively. I mean, think about it. They were laying the same points, two and a half, as Cleveland is at home with Baltimore with the same quarterback situation uh, for Baltimore. Now, no one. I mean, Pittsburgh. Fez had Pittsburgh like at twenty eighth not that long ago, right? We got in a screaming match over it, and. Uh, he still has them at uh, he's got them at twenty two. Yeah, that's his big concession. Yeah, and and the reality is he's probably not that far off if it's not for the turnovers. It might might be eighteenth or whatever. I don't know, but it's in that range. And I think it's deceiving because everyone's like Pittsburgh's got to turn around. Watts back. Well, what has made a difference? But he looks a little banged up by some accounts now. You add it all up, and then you look at the Carolina team. And you say, this is a team that if you forget the narrative, you forget about the coaches firing, you forget about, I mean, you think about it, Carolina would be, where would they be right now if their receiver had kept his helmet on? That's a good right? point. They'd be, so, they'd be tied for first place. They're running the ball super effectively. I think this is a low-scoring game. I like the points. Or I'm sorry, I... <laughs> I also think Pittsburgh's off Baltimore. Like Pittsburgh's, uh, really, if you think about it, Pittsburgh had a chance to win or get in the playoffs if they had one ball and right, you know, one out. I've got a stat on that. On go ahead. Tomlin, eleven and five ATS coming off a loss to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Six and twelve ATS coming off a win against the Ravens. Yeah, but here's the difference, and that's a nice stat. The difference is this was the, like if you think here's what hurts the most. You think something's futile. It's out of your reach. Like Pittsburgh did when they started so bad. Then something happens that you get lucky, you win some games. Not lucky, you win some games. And now it's like it's in reach. Mm -hmm. And the minute you start believing, you lose. Right? That's demoralizing to me, what I've seen in teams. Because it's almost like you lost that that, that goal twice. Right? And they should have won that game. It it was all turnout. I mean, Pittsburgh dominated, if you look at yards per play against Baltimore. So finally, the turnovers bit them. I don't like Sam Darnold, but I what I do know is they're running the ball a ton. I would have a, a two and a half. I'd bet Carolina at three, strong lane. What do you think of the quarterback situation for Pittsburgh? So uh, in practice, it's been split between Trubisky and Mason Rudolph taking the snaps at practice. So there's a possibility that if, That's silly if, if Kenny Pickett doesn't go, I don't like that. that you can get a Mason Rudolph game. Well, then that means I want to have game of the year on Carolina. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, Mason Rudolph is a big draw. So my thought was Trubisky. Did Trubisky look bad last week? Yes. If Trubisky had taken first team snaps all week, I don't think he would have looked as bad. And like you said, uh, I don't know. Sometimes with Trubisky, it's like if he doesn't think he does well when he has to think all week. I mean, I don't know. Here's what I know. It just hit me. Th- though the GM is gone, Colbert. 
the guy uh, who's the GM now, who was the, the capologist before, was been with Pittsburgh for a long time. They Omar Khan. Mm-hmm. They have a real vested interest in uh, Rudolph, whereas they want him to be something. They want. I mean, they they they, they want him to not be a, the bust that he really is. Maybe now that the season's over, effectively. Would it really be wrong after three interceptions, right, from Trubisky to say, hey, let's give Mason a chance? Because the thinking is, well, we're effectively tanking, but it kind of makes sense after three interceptions. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They figure if he does well, we can make the sign him for next year to be the third stringer because they don't want to admit that that was such a bad pick. Yeah. I mean, he's been a disaster. Why else would he be taking snaps? It's crazy to me that that that's the one. That's thing. That's got to be a huge red flag. Yeah. Or Trubisky goes out first interception, in comes Mason Rudolph, which is a major problem. I agree. Yeah, I like Carolina more now. Good one. Yeah, that makes me nervous. Uh, Darnold four and eight in his career ATS. As well, a you're going to have a lot of Darnold negative stats. Sure. I can know. But that. I mean, it's twelve times in his career he's been a favored. But he, uh, he's had like a he's had he threw like. Nine times or something the last game. I mean, they're not letting them throw. Right, very but that's much. against Seattle. Why would you right. throw again? I mean, all no. you got to do is run against Seattle. Yeah. With TJ Watt on the field, Pittsburgh's been top five against the run and the pass this season when TJ Watt's on the field. So I, I think that the the success they had against Seattle is not something you say. Well, they'll just do that again. I think this game Pittsburgh will force Sam Darnold to go down the field, and I think the more Sam Darnold goes down the field, the the more opportunities there is for him to be Sam Darnold. I don't think he's going to go down the field. I just then think they're not going to move the ball. Well, they're just going to keep trying to force feed the run. They got two running backs. They're just going to keep handing them off to both of them. That's the, that's been the Carolina game plan for for the past several weeks. Yeah, I, I think that's fine against. I think that's fine against Seattle. I don't think that works against this Pittsburgh team. I just don't. What's the total in this game? Uh, oh, it's going to be one of the lowest on the board. Um, let's see, thirty-seven and a half. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's what. That's we're... another reason why I like. I mean, I like getting points. It, three. It's just it's too good. That's the same. That's like the similar total from the Ravens and the I, Browns. I will yeah. say this: what you said about Mason Rudolph is uh, alarming because I don't want Mason Rudolph playing. It, like if, if I'm, they're uh, literally splitting first team reps. That's insane to me. Like whatever you think of Mr. Trubisky, I, I still think Mr. Trubisky is a, a high end backup in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Mason Rudolph has a long history of he's not good at football. Like he, I, I don't trust him at all. So if that's the case, and if they have some motive that is outside of winning this football game, that would turn me off. But it, on the three, it's just it's hard for me to pass. This would be the loss that would clinch it for it Mike would. Tomlin, the first ever losing season for Mike Tomlin. If they lose this game, how about they got a tie? But dude, <laughs> we're buying the Steelers at a dip. Yeah, it, it, they they'd won three straight before mm-hmm. this. The Panthers have won three out of four. So we're. Do you want to buy the Panthers at their height? I, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. No, Fezzik has both these teams even, and our margin at pregame pretty much has them even as well. So if anything, maybe value on Pittsburgh if you don't believe Carolina gets the full. Uh, three at home, but also when you consider the quarterback situation, that's why you have uh, a little bit of an inflated yeah. line on Carolina. If Mason Rudolph plays, I'm out on this. If it's a Trubisky game, I like the three. 
They're not, not going to announce it before the game. Of course not. I mean, I'm hoping that we see some sort of change you in like reps. Him taking, as, like him taking half the snaps? I'm hoping tomorrow it's not half the snaps. One thing that makes me not like Carolina, the look ahead on this game, wow, was Pittsburgh favored by three. So there really has been a mindset. Now, some of this is going to be – the you know quarterback injury for Pittsburgh, but man, is really is Pickett that much of an upgrade? There's no way. I mean, it's probably two points now, but man, oh man, I would like to have that Carolina plus three in my pocket right now. I know that much. <laughs> All right, boys, we're gonna let you finish it. All right. All right. Let's jump into Scott Seidenberg. He has a two weight. On this game, Steve Fezzik in absentia has a three-weight. It's a double-like, an in absentia double-like mm-hmm. on the New York Jets. That's right. Fighting Mike Whites. It is a pick at home against the Lions. I am selling high on this Detroit Lions team. If we uh, look at our pregame rankings, we have Detroit and the Jets even teams. But this game is outdoors at MetLife Stadium, now, not indoors at Ford Field. What, McKenzie, when when our uh, rankings say they're even teams, does that include a backup quarterback situation? But although I guess Mike White's the best quarterback, right? The Jets have been better offensively with Mike White. Like, uh, there's no downgrade from Zach Wilson to Mike White. Right. Some of the power ratings we look at do do a cubit adjustment. Whether that is warranted here is a good question. Yeah, I think this is probably the situation where you can't, you certainly can't downgrade the Jets. At quarterback with Mike White from Zach Wilson, so no, I, Mike White's got a seventy three point four PFF grade. Yeah, okay. If he qualified under our our PFF list, he'd be middle of the road. Okay, all right. Whereas Zach Wilson forty eight would be the worst. Yeah, woof. Jared Goff's got a sixty seven point six. Mike White's been better than Jared Goff, and, and and the Jets' offense has been really productive. And the Lions' defense, I understand that they've been improved the past couple of weeks, but they're still bad. This is still the third-worst red zone defense in the NFL. This is the third-worst third-down defense in the NFL. It's also their first road game in a month. They're so good at home, averaging over 30 points per game. It's half that on the road. And the Jets' defense, number six in DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, they rank amongst the elite in the NFL. It's a great defense. I think the Jets at home, it's a good opportunity to buy on the Jets and to fade this Detroit Lions team that everybody is already talking about making the playoffs. But I haven't seen this team perform well on the road. All right, the game against the Giants, that was the one where it was kind of fluky, right? They 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 beat the Giants in that game, and that was maybe like an uh, an eye opening game. They got out yarded. They the Giants had more first downs. The Giants had almost a hundred more yards in that game. The difference was the Giants turned the football over three times, and that's how the Lions won this football game. So, other than that performance against the 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 Giants on the road and a shootout against the Bears. They haven't done anything on the road. Yeah, and the line is weird in that way too. Although I guess it's mostly uh, it's mostly an example of how much hype there is on the Lions right now. The Lions were catching three on the road at Chicago, 
The Lions were catching three on the road at the Giants. Now they're a pick on the road at the Jets, who are a better team than the, I, than I, the Giants or I, I the argue, Bears. Jets I are think. a better team than the Giants. Yes. They're certainly a better team than the Bears. Oh, you kidding me? So it, I, I'm with you. This feels like a good opportunity to sell high on Detroit. And here's another thing. They've won five out of six. It's nice. Good. The average defensive DVOA of their opponent in those five wins, mm-hmm. 27th in the league. They have faced five of the worst defenses and beat them. The only team in that stretch that's inside the top 20 was Buffalo. Guess what? That was their loss. The Jets, sixth in defensive DVOA. This is a tough game for golf. Uh, and then... The, for the for the Jets' offense the last month, his strength has been their passing game since Brees Hall got hurt. Mike White, like I said, I think clearly an upgrade over Zach Wilson. And while the Lions' D is pretty bad everywhere, they're worse in pass defense. 27th in pass D, 22nd against the run. So I'm with you. The Jets the, almost made my card. The look-ahead line in this one was Jets minus three. What has changed? The, the Lions dominated the team with the, the second-best record in the NFC. Is that McKenzie? So when when was that look ahead line? Was that before the last game for each team? Yeah. So it's all a net change from the two games that was played on Sunday. So it's just the Jets losing a close battle to the Buffalo Bills, covering, covering close battle in which Mike White almost got murdered, and the Lions uh, having their performance yeah. against you and, know against the Vikings. And RJ and I disagreed about this a little on the recap show. The Jets covered against the Bills. The Jets weren't competitive in that game against the Bills. Like the the, the Bills had their way in that game. So I, I guess there is, uh, but but the Jets defense, you would say the Jets did defense well. played great. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but it never like the Bills were never in in fear of losing that game to the Jets. Uh, the Lions, I th- I think most of this is Lions based movement. The Lions performance against the Vikings, which is funny because remember the Lions were favored. So the Lions basically did what they were supposed to do. But maybe the fashion in which they did it, the comfortable fashion, maybe people are buying on that. I I, I just think it's a good time to sell uh, on Detroit. It feels like they're at the peak of their value, peak of the market. Uh, and I, all the metrics we looked at didn't say the Lions killed the Vikings by 11. They won by two or three. Exactly. Kevin Cole, our numbers, it all said the same thing. Yeah, and the remember the the Lions kick a field goal in the last minute of that game to make it eleven. It was mm-hmm. a one score game yes. up until the last minute. So I do think that the Lions win. Well, it was a nice win. Don't get me wrong, but I think maybe a little bit overblown here. So it's, well, they also gave up four hundred and sixteen total yards. Yeah, yeah, and the, I I like the Jets here. The Jets almost made my card, so I'm in agreement with you and Fez. Scott's two weight, Fezzik's three weight. The New York Football Jets. All right, next game is going to be my four-weight, and it is also Steve Fezzik's two-weight. It is the Las Vegas Raiders plus one hosting New England. And I think the Patriots' lack of offense is, is bound to catch up with them eventually. I can see it being now. The defense kept them in the game last week against Arizona. Who had a backup quarterback plan? That's well, they nice. won by two touchdowns. Didn't just keep them in the game. Uh, that's true, but I don't think it's easy against the Raiders. The Raiders, the Raiders are one bad quarter away from a four-game winning streak. Right. If they don't play that fourth quarter against the Rams, mm. they've won four in a row, and we're all like, "Oh, see, 
The Raiders' talent's been there. The Raiders' talent's been there. And now you get the Pats who I, – and by the way, I'm not saying the Raiders are a good team. I'm just saying I don't think they're a bad team either. And the Pats are just a mash unit on offense right now, likely without their top two running backs, likely without their top two wide receivers. I just can't get to them being a road favorite against the Raiders. Like, are the Raiders equal to Arizona? I, I don't believe that. I think the Plus Raiders better. the I think the Raiders are way better than Arizona. Fezzik right now has the rate the Raiders at minus one point five. He has them on the same level as the Baltimore Ravens, which I don't agree with. But um the, the Ravens Ar- are probably quarterback adjusted. Yeah. That yeah, you're right. Quarterback adjusted. He has the Arizona Cardinals as minus four. Yeah. This the the Pats were just minus one at Arizona last week. Yeah. By the way, pregame numbers: Raiders minus one, Cardinals minus four, almost the same. Yeah. It, it, to me, this is a massive overreaction to two nationally televised games that had very disparate results. If the Raiders hold on to win that game, there's no way the Patriots are favored here. I think there's pure values on the Raiders right now. Seventh in offensive DVOA over their last four games, much closer to preseason expectations. Uh, the Raider, This was a real coin flip for me on who was going to be my five weight this week, the Bears or the Raiders. This is probably my favorite four weight that I've had all season. Uh, so Las Vegas, plus one, is going to be my four weight. Look ahead line was Raiders minus two. And now they're plus one. Why? Because of Monday Night Football. Two nationally televised games. Yeah. Right? Because they yeah. lost, they lost on Thursday night to the Rams, mm-hmm. and, and it was because of the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Which again, the Rams were twelve percent to win that game. Mm-hmm. Like the Raiders, with the exception of the last four minutes, the Raiders dominated that football game. I think their most dominant performance of the year. It might have been. I think the public also coming in saying like, "All right, well, it's Bill Belichick against a former assistant." Well, Belichick doesn't necessarily have a great record against his former assistants. There's and Josh McDaniels did beat him when he was the head coach with the Broncos. The the one thing that does worry me is the the Raiders have the fourth worst red zone defense in the NFL, and they cannot defend the pass. Or am I worried about Mac Jones and the Patriots receivers beating you? No, but it is worth noting that they got the 29th ranked passing yardage defense, sure. passing yards per play defense. It's it's really bad. <laughs> so, uh, and the Patriots defense is actually really good against the run, eighth in the NFL in yards per rush, which the strength of the Raiders right now is Josh Jacobs. So, if the Patriots take away Josh Jacobs, see that's the thing. If the Patriots take away Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams could have himself a day. Yeah. If the Raiders take away the passing game. I, I Injuries have taken away the yeah. passing. Nelson Aguilar is going to be their number one wide receiver. Like, yeah, I guess you do like Ramondre. What's the health status of Stevenson? Ram- Ramondre got hurt last week. I don't expect. I don't expect either of those backs to play. Let's see what the latest injury report is. Uh, he did not participate in practice on Wednesday. There you go. Yeah, I, I just think this is a banged up Patriots team, and I, I think them being favored at the, again when I compared this line to the Cardinals line, and I said. Do I think the Raiders and the Cardinals are the same level team? And it, I just don't. And remember, last week, my five-weight play was on the Patriots. Yeah. Because the Cardinals, I thought, are a bad team. The Raiders are not a bad team. They are not bad. This is a this is real value on the Raiders, in my opinion. You know what? I'm going to make this my one my one weight. All right. I think, I, I think you're right. New England's too banged up. 
and and Vegas. There's a. This is just because of what happened last week. You're right. Vegas has too. They have too much firepower. Well, I think the Raiders are the play. Why aren't you endorsing this, McKenzie? I don't know. New England. You guys say rank too high. Just scoring margin. No math. No analytics. They're eighth. I don't think most people have them eighth. I think mm-hmm. they're a little better than people think. All right. Well, for us, it's Raiders country. That's right. <laughs> All right, next game. This is Scott's three weight. It is Steve Fezzik's four weight game. It is a crossfire, and it is the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders. Fez isn't here. You go for it. I know what Fez is going to say, so I'll give you Fez's uh, analysis first. Uh, Fez has the Commanders as a minus .5 on his power ratings. He has the Giants at minus 4, which is a a 3.5-point gap. Give Washington two points for being at home. Fezzik would make this a a 5.5-point spread or a 5-point spread. The fact that it's, uh, what are we right now, 4.5, he finds value on Washington. Me... I think that this is a field goal game either side. If you told me the Giants were four-and-a-half-point favorites, I'm taking the Commanders. You're giving me the Commanders at four-and-a-half-point favorites, I'm taking the Giants. The last time we saw these two teams play, they were terrible on third downs, and they settled for a 20-20 tie. Both teams had multiple opportunities to win the game. I think this line is an overreaction to what we just saw from the Giants last week. This is a good time to buy low on a Giants team that is probably better than what we saw last week. They were just overmatched against an Eagles team. Have they been banged up lately? Yes. But Daniel Jones is tremendous as a road underdog. How tremendous? 15-5 and ATS on the road as a starting quarterback. Both of these teams rank in the top tier of the league in pressuring the quarterback. Both of these teams are also in the bottom of the league in protecting their quarterback. I think we're in for another close battle. And here's the thing. Taylor Heineke wins. He does. But is he good? He's not good. According to I've our, been saying that he's not good. According <laughs> to our composite rankings with the PFF grades and the ESPN QBR, Heineke doesn't qualify for total QBR, but... Still, that's surprising, actually. If he did, Taylor Heineke would have the worst PFF grade amongst any quarterback that is eligible right Even now. Even Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson is... He doesn't qualify, he doesn't but qualify. they actually have within a point, within a percentile point, point one, the exact same PFF grade. So when oh you think of God. Taylor Heineke, I want you to, in your mind, picture Zach Wilson throwing a football. Yeah. Wolf. Taylor Heineke had a 49 PFF grade. 49. The Baker Mayfield's a 53.7. Yeesh. Yeah, Zach Wilson's 48.8. Come on. Sam Ellinger, 49.9. Joe Flacco, a 51.3. Taylor Heineke hasn't been good. So, yes, they've But they've been winning games. That's fine. But sooner or later, you're going to need your quarterback to make plays for you, especially when you got running backs that are banged up. And, yes, they're coming off a bye, which helps their running backs being banged up. But quarterback's got to make a play for you. I think nationally televised game, there's a lot of uh, anti-Giants flair because of what we saw last week. I wouldn't be surprised if this line even gets higher. I think the Giants are a great buy low spot here, plus the points in a game that I don't want to say goes under because the last one was exactly at 40 and it was lined at 40 and a half and it was a 2020, but they did combine for 727 total yards of offense. And normally you think if you're 
at 40 and a half and yeah. it's 2020 going into overtime, you've got a loser on your hand more often Correct. than not. Correct. So I, it, yeah, I, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm in a, in a close di- matchup that is of the utmost importance for both teams playoff chances. This is going to be a field goal game. I agree. And I think that the 2020 tie is a fair result. I think those two teams are... If you look at our pregame rankings, so I know Fez has these teams far apart, but our pregame margin has them pretty much even. Yeah. We have the Giants at minus 1.9, Washington minus 1.3. I've disagreed. I've been higher... Well, I've been higher than most people on the Giants, not higher than you on the Giants this year. I've been lower on the Commanders than almost everybody that I know this year. So, uh, and then factor in that Daniel Jones is so much better on the road than he is away from home, or than he than he is at home. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is as closely of a matched game as you can get. If this were three, I'd pass. At four and a half, I would look at the Giants. All right, next game, Saturday action. The Buffalo Bills, seven-and-a-half-point favorites, hosting the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I was looking to play Buffalo this week, and those dastardly uh, Westgate guys threw the hook up there. I don't think there's a a seven-and-a-half on the board, and they just decided there should be one. So this didn't make my card, but I— Certainly a lean to Buffalo. What are you? What are you on? So you got revenge for Buffalo, obviously, uh, and we know that Tua is much better at home than he is on the road. He's twelve and four ATS at home. He's six nine and one ATS away from Miami in his career. It's also a bad spot for Miami. It's their third straight road game. They played two games out west. Remember, they stayed out west when they played the two games this past two weeks. Then they go back home to Miami. Now they're going up to Buffalo, where the weather forecast for Saturday night reads as follows. 24 degrees. Periods of snow. Winds west to southwest at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of snow, 80%. Snow accumulating 3 to 5 inches. Let me give you a little stats on Tua that I found online. 31 career NFL games, 32 college games. He has never played in a game below 36 degrees. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to to say a lot nice about the Dolphins right now. And the fact that you're not saying it tells me something because you've been as pro-Dolphins as anybody. Listen, if it was 80 degrees in Miami, I'm betting the Dolphins right now. The, the last This two, is snow in Buffalo. The last two weeks for the Dolphins have been pretty much a disaster uh, on offense and defense. Tua's QBR in the last two games, 246 Mm-hmm. 19.8. Before those two games, the worst game he had all season was a 43 against the Bengals back in September. And he was knocked out of that game. He was knocked out of that game. And the offensive line being banged up is, I think, one of the key culprits. You can talk all you want about how teams have changed their coverage, which they have, but he's been sacked nine times in the last three games. Mm-hmm. He was sacked eight times in the previous eight games. Yeah. That's a that's a big difference. And like you said, going to the bad weather in Buffalo, third straight road game with a banged-up Tyreek Hill. That's the question mark for me. I want to know how healthy Tyreek Hill is and how effective is he going to be in this snow. And a banged-up Jeff Wilson who, listen, Mostert's good, but Mostert's the hammer. Uh, Wilson's the scalpel. Wilson's very important to the RPO that they want to run. And then on defense – 
Miami's allowing 387 yards per game on the road. Like you said, way worse on the road than they are at home. The Bills, significantly better at home offensively than they are on the road. And if you go back to that first game, you mentioned revenge. The Bills statistically dominated that game. Mm-hmm. They, they lost 21-19. to 19. The Bills had dropped touchdown passes. They had a missed chip shot field goal. They had uh, guys laying on the field with cramps because it was too hot. The Bills were the much better team then. They are still the much better team. It's Bills or pass for me. It, I'm probably going to be looking to to use the Bills in a teaser if there is a seven and a half out there. I would agree with that just because the situations, as I mentioned, that with the travel and the road spot and with the weather favoring Buffalo, there's, it's the only way you can look in this game. I'd be shocked if Miami comes away with a win. Yeah, McKenzie, we we looked at the uh looked at that Bills Dolphins game and it was not a, it our stats, our luck stats and adjusted game scores. The game was most people had the Bills winning, but it wasn't like it was going to be some blow. It was a close game, right? Yeah, closer than the 200 yards advantage that, that the Bills had would indicate. Yeah, and McKenzie rightfully pointed out and I remember he brought it up to me today that that was the game where Josh Allen had several turnover-worthy plays. Yeah, they dropped interceptions. They didn't punish yep. him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it so it's hard to balance out. I, I still think, and especially the way the Dolphins look right now, it's you just can't back the Dolphins in this spot, in my opinion. If you do, good, God bless you and good luck to you. I want nothing to do with them. All right, the Kansas City Chiefs, best team in the whole wide world, according <laughs> to some people, against the Houston Texans. The worst team in the whole wide world, according to some people. The Texans catching 14 points at home. Boy, that's a lot of points at home for a National Football League game, no matter who's playing. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest reason the Texans were able to hang with Dallas last week was they, they controlled the clock. They won the possession battle by seven minutes. And a lot of that was thanks to Damian Pierce carrying the ball 22 times for 78 yards. Not great numbers but good enough that it kept the ball out of Dak's hands. Unfortunately for the Texans, Pierce is out this week with an injury, and the backup situation is, uh, I'm going to try to put it nice, it's bleak. Uh, It's Rex Burkhead at backup running back. The Texans' defense also played really well, but I don't know if that's sustainable. But here's what it is. I, I, I think the Texans right now, the last two weeks, have shown more fight than they've shown most of the season. Now, the question becomes, did they show fight because the last two weeks they were playing against their former quarterback and their in-state rival? Mm-hmm. That's a good possibility. You know, they they were it, they had a fourth-quarter lead against the Browns. They obviously almost beat the Cowboys. They are in these games. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Chiefs tried their best to blow a fourth-quarter lead to the Broncos. They successfully blew a fourth quarter lead against the Bengals. I don't know if I, I don't think I can put money on. I shouldn't say I don't know if I can. I don't believe that I can put money on the Texans, but I think it's dog or pass for me here. I think the way the Texans have been fighting and the way that the Chiefs seem to let off the gas late in games, mm-hmm. I, I, the only way I could look is the Texans. Well, double digit dogs have had tremendous success this season 14 and 7 ATS. So you have a double-digit dog in this season in the NFL. It's been very profitable. Home dogs of 10 or more 
historically very profitable. All those trends point to the Houston Texans as the right side of this game. I don't know how motivated either of these teams is going to be. The Chiefs can't be motivated playing against the lowly Texans. And the Texans, you said it, they're coming off of two emotional games, playing against Deshaun Watson and playing against the Dallas Cowboys and putting up their best fight of the season. Against walk away the, empty-handed. And ex- exactly. <laughs> Houston's defense has actually been really good the last five or six weeks. They ranked top 10 defensively in DVOA over that span. But the, the Chiefs are on a different level. I, I think if I had to look anywhere in this game, I, I think I'd like the under. Because I don't think Houston's going to score. And I think Kansas City is just going to, not I don't want to say mail this one in, but I can't see them being that motivated as opposed to, you know, being in a close battle like they were last week against the Broncos or or in a tough game against the Bengals. I just think that this is the Chiefs kind of walking through this game, sleepwalking a little bit. Maybe they win by double digits, but I don't think this game goes over 50 points. Here's my problem with betting the under in this game. The Chiefs just let the worst offense in the league score 28 points on them. Like, I didn't think the Broncos scored 28 points on anybody, and they scored 28 points on the Denver Broncos. There's a difference. At least the Broncos have capable players that you think can score points. Like Russell Wilson throwing a football to Jerry Judy makes sense. Davis Mills throwing a football to Rex Burkhead doesn't. You're right. But do we agree, do we agree throw, that the, do we agree Jeff the Texans offense ball to Chris Moore doesn't make sense. But we agree the Texans offense is better than the than the Broncos offense. I think they're they're both bottom of the league, bottom okay. three in the league. It's I, the Colts, I, it's the Texans, and the Broncos. I don't disagree, but that's what I'm saying. That's what worries me about the the under is it feels like the the Chiefs right now it's it's almost like what I said about the the Ravens a couple weeks ago how the the Ravens feel like they're sleepwalking on offense mm-hmm. it feels like the Chiefs are sleepwalking on defense maybe and and that's what worries me about an under uh games with big favorites McKenzie uh, give us the, the trend here big big favorites 14 plus is that what we're talking yeah I just looked double touchdown plus to match this one and week 12 on to get a good sample in 41 games, 59% of the time it goes under. It makes sense to me logically that late in the season, what are they worried about? The playoffs, resting people, not going to have their foot on the gas if they're up 10, let's say, in the fourth quarter. And I guess the other thing that jumps out from this screen grab that you just put up here, like you, you, there are a lot of unders, but it's also good for the favorite. This is good for the favorites. Yeah, 27 and 12, 69% the favorites are in these spots. Mm. So. Maybe it's not dog or pass. It, it, the one thing—it's funny that it is that because, like, you usually think when oh, right. fourteen points in an NFL uh, game, yeah, you gotta yeah, yeah. take it, and it's just that's just not the case. Well, usually when you see a point spread, that's because one of those teams is very bad, which yeah. means they don't score. That's why it goes to the under. It's usually like this could be a you know thirty-five nothing game for the for the Chiefs. But what you said is I, you question the Chiefs' motivation. Mm-hmm. That trend twenty-seven and twelve after week twelve. That tells me that even disinterested big favorites are covering big numbers because... Because the other team is so bad. It, well, and not just that, but who's more disinterested? 
the massive favorite or a team like the Texans who have won one game all year? Sure. Like, why why should the Texans be interested? Although you do have guys that will be playing for their jobs. Uh, Jeff Driscoll activated again. I can see the Texans going back to that two-quarterback system that they used yeah. against the Dallas Cowboys, and maybe you get – maybe you catch the Chiefs off guard a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, Kyle Allen for whatever – Although, I, now that they had a week to watch it on film – are they going to be caught off guard when Jeff Driscoll comes into the no, game? I don't think so. But Kyle Allen's clearly in the doghouse. He did something. I'm not sure what. Stink. But he, <laughs> what was different between him and Davis Mills? They were the same guy. Neck size. There is a, a big ne- – boy, that's an interesting thing. Think about this. The text, It's going to be Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead – Maybe the longest neck and the thickest neck in the league <laughs> lined up in the backfield. That is something to watch for sure. Isn't the Houston Roughnecks? Is that the, the Houston a- the Roughnecks? AFL that's team? right. The XFL team. XFL. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we're looking at here. It's not the Texans. It's the Roughnecks. They're just the necks. The long necks. And honestly, Rex Burkhead and Davis Mills probably should both be playing in the XFL. That, <laughs> it, 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 it comes. comes <laughs> it comes full circle. All right. Next game, the Dallas Cowboys. Four-point favorites on the road at Jacksonville. And the Cowboys, I'm guessing we get a better effort out of them. I think that they they had the bejesus scared out of them last week. That would have been a really embarrassing loss to the Texans. And it's I think it's obvious that they overlooked the Texans. Mm-hmm. They thought they could just roll the helmets out. I think they're going to have to take Jacksonville more seriously. because A, because they almost got knocked off. But B... The Jags are coming off stomping a hole in a playoff team. Yeah. So I think that the the Cowboys are going to come into this game focused. Trevor Lawrence has been really good lately, but now he's going up against this Cowboys defense. This is the second best pass rush in the league per PFF. It's the second best overall pass defense per DVOA. Mm-hmm. And Dallas is, in my opinion, the one of the best front runners, them in Buffalo. If Dallas gets a big lead on you, they they don't sit on it and let you back. Yeah, at Philly, Kansas City, they tend to do this. They get a big lead and then they sit back and let teams claw their way back in. Dallas and Buffalo, the other two teams who have been kind of dominating teams this season at different points. Buffalo, not not so much lately, but when they get a good lead, they keep the foot on the gas and. Every team that has beat the Jags this year has beat them by four or more points. So if the if the Cowboys can get a lead here, I think they can they can kind of ride on them. And unlike the Eagles, who I could see the Eagles having look ahead to Dallas, but the difference is the Eagles could lose to the Bears, and then the game next week they still if they win that it's st- they still yeah. win the division. Yeah. The Cowboys can't do that because the Cowboys can't lose a game. And still win the division. The, the Cowboys have to win every. So you game. They, avoid the, that trap spot because they they need to win. Yeah. So it, the look ahead spot for Philly is different than the look ahead spot for Dallas. Uh, I, I think you're going to get, like I said, a focused effort from Dallas against this Jags team that they've already lost at home to the Broncos and the Texans. This is not a good home field. Uh, it, it's got to be. It, the Cowboys are the only way I could look here. 
Eight of Dallas's 10 wins have come by at least a touchdown. So if you think they win the game, they're likely going to cover this one. And Jacksonville, not a good defense. You know, Trevor Lawrence coming off a really good offensive game. They don't play well defensively. They haven't since the start of October, really. So you want to look at how they've done, okay, earlier in the season. You want to say it was the the, the defense that was their strength, right, when they shut out the Colts and then they held the Chargers to just 10 points. But in the past couple of weeks, I mean, they gave up 40 points to the Detroit Lions, right? You know, 27 to the, to the Chiefs, 27 to the Ravens. So and twenty two to the to the Titans in the win last week. So I, I've been very anti Jaguars this entire season, uh, according to you know all of our pregame research. We have Jacksonville as a slightly below average team. Is that correct, McKenzie? It's a negative point one. Yeah. So projected margin of zero. Yeah. So and then the Cowboys are a plus four point two, indicating that on a neutral they should be at least you know four point favorites, and there is no home field advantage in Jacksonville. So I think that the spread is kind of accurate here with the Cowboys being favored by four. I wouldn't even be surprised to see it tick up, and I think the Cowboys are the only way to look here because uh, I am not buying in on the on the uh, Jaguars after this Titans victory because I just think they just dominated a, a Titans team that didn't play well last week. But I look at what they did against the Lions, and and it was pathetic, honestly. Defensively, this team is not going to be able to stop the running game of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, McKenzie makes a good point here. Uh, Ravens were three-and-a-half-point uh, favorites on the road to Jags. They lose. Raiders, two-and-a-half-point road favorites. They lost. The Colts, three-point favorites. They lost on the road. Cowboys land four. Uh, if that trend holds. Here's the difference. Cowboys are better than all three of those teams. Well, I, I think, yes, that. And credit to Raheem Palmer for uh, throwing that tweet out there. Okay. I think, yes, you're right. The Cowboys are better than all those teams. But also, the Cowboys are better defensively. Yes. All those, those, the thing that all three of those teams have in common, the other three teams, is they they're very flawed defensively. This is an elite defensive team, and honestly, that should tell you something. If the Ravens were three laying three and a half at the Jags, and that was week, three weeks ago, the Cowboys are only laying four. Yeah, Cowboys are more than a half point better than the Ravens. I would agree with that. Uh, our pregame uh, uh, research has Cowboys two points better, two points better than the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, there so, you go. but I think also, and and shout out to Raheem, he does a great job. But like he's part of this, uh, I, I guess you can call it a sharp community that um, the is, Jaguar is obsessed, loving sharps obsessed with the Jaguars. Like I I, 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 and I haven't talked to him in, in, a, in a while, but I can promise you. Not, I don't want to promise. I don't want to put anything into his mouth or anything. But I, I would assume that he was amongst the group that bet the Jaguars to win the division before the season. There uh, was a large, yeah. there was a large portion of the sharp community here in town that was all over the Jaguars preseason. I feel and like they, it's bigger than this year. The Jaguars seem to be a sharp darling every year, and we looked at this on the recap show on Monday. No team does worse versus their preseason expectations <laughs> in the last twenty-two yeah. years. In the Jacksonville Jaguars. But this year, it was like every podcast, every article, every person that in this, you know, betting community was all about the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's always Jaguars. a bounce-back year for the Jaguars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Next year will always <laughs> yeah. be the year yes. for Jacksonville. I don't quite understand it either. I mean, it's it's obvious. Listen, they've won three of the last five. They're playing so much better than they were at the beginning of the season. Trevor Lawrence uh, playing better. I mean, that's the easiest thing to point to. Trevor Lawrence, who... 
spent a year and almost half a year as a a well below average quarterback finally looks like he's starting to blossom into I don't know if he'll he's blossoming into what people thought he could be because I think he's still got a long way to go before he's that but last week was maybe the best indicator like if you're if you're a Trevor Lawrence buyer mm-hmm. last week is the first time you sit back and go oh finally like my crypto stock finally went back up to what 15k or something. You're like, oh, maybe this thing that I thought was dead is rising from the ashes. Uh, you had to feel good about what you saw out of Trevor Lawrence, but again, that's against you know it's not against the Dallas Cowboys defense. The Cowboys defense is on a different level right now. Uh, I, I think to to beat the Cowboys, they're gonna have to run the ball well. I don't know that they can. We're gonna see what Trevor Lawrence does under a lot of pressure, and remember. The Titans secondary right now is in shambles. I mean, they they are down so many bodies that if Trevor Lawrence can't look good against that Titans secondary, who's he going to look good against? It's going to be a different story this week. So uh, Cowboys or pass for me. All right. The next game, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and my Instant thought was, I have to take the Bengals here. Have to. I ended up not. And- Five straight wins. Joe Burrow, 17-3 and three ATS in his last 20 starts. All this team does is win. Yeah, and, and I'll give you some reasons why. I, I, I still certainly lean to the Bengals. I, in, in fact, if, I'm sure you've got a good pro Bengals handicap. I'll let you lead it off, and well, I'll, I'll give it, you some reasons why they they didn't make my card. So I'm I'm telling you the reasons that you are probably going to say is that T Higgins and Tyler Boyd are hurt, and you're concerned about that. Well, that's part of it. Makes sense. Uh, but the Bucks are 30th in points per play in the NFL. This is not a good football team. I know you know you, so you are anti Tom Brady. You know about how much he's fallen off the cliff. My explanation for Tom Brady's play is, and, and how far is he falling off the cliff? Where does he rank in our composite rankings? Brady's 17th. Joe Burrow, by the way, is fifth. Uh, the team just stinks. The Tampa Bay Bucks are not a good football team. I, I don't understand. And, and what's crazy is, like, according to our, our rankings, we have them as one plus 1.3. Cincinnati a 5.9, though. That's how much better Cincinnati is. But I'm not seeing it from the Tampa Bay Bucks, And I know, Mackenzie, are you seeing that? Like all these groups are really high on the Tampa Bay Bucks for some reason? And by groups, I mean like the analytical yeah. community. It seems like when things go bad for the Bucks, it go really bad. So a lot of the plays that we throw out are what we call garbage time plays. When you lose 35-7, to seven, yeah. down 28-0 at half, there's a lot of those. But in the most competitive moments, like those two-minute drill comebacks, They've played, you know, pretty well, and that's why the, a lot of the analytics that do that kind of analysis have them a little bit higher than the average fan might think. But they just don't score. You know, they, they, 17 points against the Saints, 17 against the Browns, 16 against the Rams, 3 against the Panthers, you know, 21 against the Falcons, 21 against the Seahawks, 22 against the Ravens. They don't score. The Bengals score, and Chase is back. And Mixon played. Well, let's let's think of the point on, on the power rating. So they're one point better, 10th by our numbers. Who's better than them that you think is not higher? Like Cleveland's 11th, Seahawks 12th, Jags 13th. There's just a bunch of average to bad teams. Now, that's a great point. Like, there's not many, there's not many good teams in the yeah. NFL. So if Tampa Bay is like the best of the worst, okay. But they're certainly not the worst of the best. 
I don't put them in, in that category. Right, different tier. I agree with that. I'm with you on this. And and listen, I I was saying they got lucky against the Saints. They were, I mean, the fact that they were non-competitive against Brock Purdy last week tells you a lot. Uh, and it, it, here's why I had pause. If you uh, and the Bengals have been phenomenal lately, there's no denying it. They've got to be primed for a letdown spot at some point. They've covered five straight games. Think about the games they've played lately. Division rival Pittsburgh on the road. AFC South leading Titans on the road. And at the time, they had the same record, so Mm -hmm. they were peers. Kansas City at home. The Browns, their biggest rival at home. Guess who they've got at the end of the season? The Bills and the Ravens. If there's ever a time to take a breath, isn't it against a a sub-500 NFC team? No, because I think this is like one of those – whenever you face Tom Brady, it's a measuring stick performance. It's, it's an opportunity to to say, I went up against Tom Brady and we and I won. So they never take a breath in is what you're saying. I don't, it's the NFL. You can't take a breath. But I, I, think, I think the players on defense are pumped to go up against Tom Brady. I think Joe Burrow is pumped to go up against Tom Brady. You don't get a, a, a relaxed performance when Tom Brady is the quarterback on the other team. And the Bengals just have to win. I mean, every game. I mean, they're they're, they're tied with the Ravens yeah, right now. If, if they win this game per five thirty eight, they're fifty fifty to win the division. If they lose it, they go down to twenty percent. So they can't afford any any sleepers. Not only are they tied, they're tied with the record with the Ravens, but they lose the tiebreaker right now. Right. So they can't afford to drop a game back because even if they drop a game back and then let's say they beat the Ravens, they might still lose out on a tiebreaker because of divisional record is the tiebreaker. So and the Ravens are three and zero in the division right now, and they're two and three. And the Bengals do like if the Bengals want the one seed, which they, well, forget uh, about it, the one seed. Win the division. They can't win the division if they lose this game. It's it's almost impossible. But they can win the one seed. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean they're they, one, they're one yeah. win out. They're, they're one win out, and they still have a game yes. with Buffalo, and they hold a tiebreaker against Kansas City. But you can't so, win the one seed without winning their division. <laughs> so that is true. So if they want, if if they lose this game, there's no margin for error because, like I said, even if they beat the Ravens and they finish with the same exact record as the Ravens, they lose the tiebreaker. So they need every win. Unless we're talking about the Ravens losing, but you can't. You have to do what you can control, which is go out there and win football games. Yeah. Yeah, I I would only bet the Bengals here, but I'm not running to the window to do it either. No, it's not on my list of my top bets. But What kept it off? I like the other four that I picked better. Okay. All right. So with the, I this mean, is under consideration for my, one of my my ones. This is one of the okay. one of the one considerations. All right, well, I, I'll accept that. That uh, that I, I just felt like, man, my initial thought was, oh, I've been so anti Bucks. They're only three and a three and a half. That's it. It just felt. Still, Tom Brady is a home dog. Yeah, it's three and a half on the road. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah, that's over the key number, and you're on the road. That's a lot. That's a big spread here. I mean, what were the 49ers? Uh, what were the Bucks on the road uh, in San Francisco last week? Were they three and a half on the road? Yeah. The Bucks. Yeah, think about that. Bengals, 49ers, a lot of power ratings have them very similar. Depending on what you think of the quarterback, San Francisco minus three and a half at home. Since he minus three and a half on the road, how much changed over that one blowout loss? Well, no, it's Brock Purdy. Versus, I think that's the difference. Brock Purdy Joe against Burrow. Joe Burrow. Like it, it's there were, there, there were massive I'm not questions. The line's wrong. It's just a, it's the line says the story for sure. Yeah, I think there were massive questions. Well, what about is our line? The 49ers, what, our but, line has the game. If we do our power rating, what, Bengals four and a half points better on a neutral. 
Yeah, and then so give the Bucks one and a half on home field, right? That key number of three, it probably lands three. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's an accurate line. All right. The last game and one of the games that was the hardest for me to get any real get in depth on is the Rams and the Packers on Monday Night Football for the contest. The Rams catching seven at Green Bay. Obviously, great showing at the end for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, the Rams also stunk for 58 minutes of that game. So I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I'm suddenly like buying Rams stock, uh, but I also am certainly not looking to lay a touchdown with the Green Bay Packers who seem completely disinterested. This is a, this is a tough game to call. Uh, And I also wonder, you know, are we going to continue to get more players sitting out for the Rams? If, Or is there an excitement now building around Baker Mayfield? I don't really know. Either way, this game is going to end up being a a pass for me, at least from a a side standpoint. All right. Contest line is what? Seven. Get me below seven. I'm taking the Packers. Okay. I don't think. The contest line is not going to change. I can assure Uh, you that. Well, maybe we can call somebody. I don't think so. (laughs) I, I don't think the Rams want anything to do with this game. Why not? Because it's going to be five degrees. At Lambeau on Monday night. (laughs) I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers in that temperature. You know what I'll tell you, though? (laughs) And and people say that all the time. I I agree to an extent. The Rams, with the season they're having, they're probably not excited to go play in that. Do you think the Packers are excited to go out and play in that with the season they're having? I mean, normally but when you're, you're playing at home, you get a you get a little boost. You got to get a boost playing at home. And, and normally when you're a buy. when you're eleven and two, it's real easy to go out and play in eight degree yeah. weather. When you're not going to make the playoffs and you're, it's basically a dead dead season. It doesn't seem like hey, it'd be that fun. Listen, Christian Watson has a chance to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's like the second favorite right now. Aaron Rodgers, though, here's some stats coming off of a bye, is nine three and one ATS coming out of the bye, and at home in primetime, 23-11-1 ATS, 68% in his career. Granted, this is a much different Packers team than we've seen in the past, but still, at 5-8, the Packers have a chance to avoid a losing season, right? They don't have to get that ninth loss. They could win out and have themselves a 9-8 season, which would be a success considering where they started the year. Monday night football, primetime, it... I don't know. Baker Mayfield, great last week. Should be better. He wasn't really great last. He was great for a drive. He was great for one drive. Like Baker Mayfield was was very mediocre. He looked like Baker Mayfield for most of the game, and then he had a fantastic drive. And I'm not trying to discredit it. It was awesome to see. And obviously, he was at a handicap because he had what two days with the playbook. Mm-hmm. But that game could have very easily ended 16-3 if and, the Raiders don't jump offside. And yeah. then none of us are talking about the Rams, like, like anything. And, like then we're, line, and then this line is probably eight and a half. You're probably right. So The Rams can't run the ball, though, and that's like how you have to beat Green Bay, especially in five-degree weather. So I just, I don't know. Although, Has Baker Mayfield, I, I'm sure he's played some cold games in Cleveland. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, but... Eh. And last week was like the uh, that was the first time the Rams had any success. The last couple of weeks, I think, have been Cam Akers' best games. Like he's had a couple touchdowns. He's like Cam Akers. I was like, I thought was off the team. He was off the team for a while. I, 
now he's like suddenly the offense is leaning a little bit on the run. I, I, I don't know what to make of the Rams. I don't know what to make of the Packers. I, I just have no good I don't feel want for this game. Uh, our numbers have the Rams at three points worse than the Packers on a neutral. So if you give Green Bay the full three for being home here for five degree weather at Lambeau Field, six and a half point spread. So the seven, I guess you find value here with the Rams. Like I said, if there was, if you get me anything under seven, I lean towards the Packers. Anything over seven, I think you have to look for the Rams. This is just a good line that makes me not want to touch this game. It's crazy because if I had said at the beginning of the season, this is the NFC championship game. <laughs> We'd believe it. Would anyone have doubted it? No. no. I mean, this, it, you could have been like, yeah. That's By the way, Rodgers' right. uh, thumb is feeling much better. Practice. Oh, all right. Wasn't well, even taped up at practice. Wow. <laughs> well, I guess that fixes everything. Wait till he gets out there in eight degree weather. Uh, that's the other thing. You know, uh, I'm not even going to talk about that. I, I just think it's so crazy that the Packers like could conceivably make the playoffs still. No, let's not get there. But don't, if, don't Seat- there if Seattle loses on Thursday night, don't go there yet. Suddenly things start to open up. Uh, yeah, I won't get there. Don't go there yet. Let, give another another week or so, and we'll go there, okay? Because what, what's the, what's the percentage right now, McKenzie? Currently six percent, but jumps up to nine percent if they cover if they win as a seven point favorite. Okay, now what if they put, win or, or, and Seattle loses and Detroit loses? Oh, so do the Detroit, I like this machine. This is great. Do the Detroit loss, Seattle loss, and a Green Bay win. Twelve percent. Okay. Now, 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 think about this: one of the two Giants and Commanders have to lose. Yeah. Or they could tie. Or they again. could tie again. Yeah. So let's put in a loss for one of those teams, the Giants and Commanders, as well. Fifteen percent. I'm going to call it. Well, it doesn't change because one of them, the model already knows that one of them is going to win. Oh, okay, 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 gotcha. gotcha the computer's gotcha. smarter than you, Scott. Well, I, I don't mean, think you're going to trick the computer. Hey, man-programmed computer, okay? <laughs> no, but now, now they've taken over. It's like, I don't know what's scarier, AI or the apes taking over. I, I fear no, it's, both. it's Skynet. I've seen movies about both, and I don't like how either of those movies go. Like, I've watched a lot of horror movies, and honestly, Planet of the Apes scares me more than most horror movies, just because... How hard were you rooting for the apes? At least me personally, I was like, yep, they're taking over, good for them. There's, there's times where I root for the apes until I start to think about... It was Earth all along! <laughs> that part, yeah. Until I start to consider, what if this happened for real? No, no, it's, it's, it's AI. And I, like, I'm, I have a healthy fear of animals, because, sure, we've got guns and things like that, but what happens if one day, like... You know, all the ammo's gone. And the animals just decide, <laughs> the playing field is even now, isn't it? And, like, all these animals could just kick our ass. I, I know for a fact, I've got a dog at my house that I walk in every day, and she's excited to see me, and she lets me pet her, and I feed her cheese. But if she wanted to, she could end me. She could maul you. <laughs> like, it's just a fact. Yeah. And... I also oh, opposable thumbs. I, 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 I listen. Them. I'm not Arian Foster. I don't believe that's enough. <laughs> I don't believe that's enough. I I also believe this firmly, and this is why my wife has a cat, and I'm not crazy about cats. I believe if house cats were full size, they would eat us. Yeah, they're called lions. Yeah. <laughs> and panthers. Yeah. And, and tigers. We're, we're like terrified of those. <laughs> like the, that's, those are cats. But if you had like a, like, you know how. So basically you're telling me that if a house cat was a 
was a tiger, it would eat you. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point there, AJ. No, I abstain <laughs> if a house cat was tiger-sized. It would. Then Here's be a how tiger. you know you're right. This has been going around. If you get a Christmas tree, every cat will do this. They'll hide in the tree and they'll act like they're a lion hunting in the savanna. Yeah. It's in them. I don't like it. They yes. just don't have big enough teeth to. They're mess all with cats. They're the same. They're on the same genealogy. But why why do we feel safe trusting them? Because they're small and we can kick them. <laughs> but I mean, how di- Mackenzie? How different is my dog from a wolf? Like, how many steps removed is my dog from a wolf? Not many. I would never let a wolf in my house. True. Yet, it, you know, I have got no problems. Well, they call that a wolf in the hen house, right? Uh huh. We don't want a wolf in the hen house. I think it's computers, man. There's too many movies about this stuff that's just coming true. By the way, do you realize that The Terminator is the prequel to The Matrix? I didn't know that. Well, well think, I thought The Terminator this. was the prequel to Terminator 2. Well, well think about it. <laughs> in, we lost the war, and machines enslaved humans and put us into The Matrix. Yeah, I could see so that. The Matrix comes after Terminator. You know what's scarier than all that? Come with me if you want to leave. You know what's scarier than AI or animals taking over? Transformers? Someone weaponizing a disease and spreading it around the world and everyone gets sick and there's panic and global markets shut down. That's like the scariest possibility of you all, know, right? But yeah, but we have people like <laughs> we have people like Jack Bauer that can handle that. Okay. Well, as long as Jack Bauer's there. He only needs 24 hours. All right. Uh that <laughs> That's enough. We've had enough. Hey! Hey! <laughs> no, I, I won't do that. But I, you know what? I will do it. I'm going to do it. RJ's not here. He can't, he can't tell me to not do it. Back away from the microphone, though. Hey! Hey! Get closer. Let's, <laughs> let's be careful out there. Talk to you next week.